2: I'll be honest, seconds before I sent you the invite for the Zoom, I remembered, oh, we do these on video now. So I may or may not be in the same outfit that I've been wearing for the last 48 hours, maybe. That's a pretty fresh outfit for you. <laughs> yeah, that is, For for from for March 12th on, the average wardrobe, the average outfit gets worn, I would say, 50 hours. I think we're in the 50 hour range. It's probably 50 hours.
1: Yeah, I'm probably right there with you. I do, I think I could go longer were it not for the underwear situation.
2: That's look, I would go longer if it not if it were not for Holly comes here every once in a while.
1: Yeah. I mean well, like when Holly comes here
2: I'm like all right, it's been 58 hours. <laughs> she's going to smell
1: some funk. She's, already, she's <laughs> already living with this beard. Do I have to give yeah, her the body odor exactly. too? Speaking of stinking, yeah, uh, Indiana basketball. <sighs> Ward,
2: you know, look, we expected, and what I'm about to say is an indictment on where we are. We expected to lose to Illinois on the road. We did, yes. Okay. Correct. That That's a problem right there. So let's, let's acknowledge that that's a problem and let's move past that. It's just not fun basketball to watch. And the more I have thought about it, and I have, and I watched the Illinois game again, the more I come back to what I've said to you now for a couple weeks, which is, the overall talent is not good enough. The roster construction, as far as complementing players, complementary players is not good enough. The skill development of players that have been there overall is not good enough. The game planning and strategy apparently isn't good enough and the execution isn't good enough. So, all the analysis that you want to do, oh, we're a bad three-point shooting team. Fix the three-point shooting and, you know, we're still a problem. Oh, we're the turnovers. We turn the ball over eight times against Illinois. We still lose. None of it matters. We're just not good enough. We're not as good as the program should be. And we're not as good as the players that are on this team should
1: be. Well, when we came to find each other on text messaging after the game, basically we were in the exact same place get into all the details you want but the macro is the same and we shot really well from the outside for us armand was amazing from the outside the turnovers were low the defense was pretty good until the end and it's still not enough i i honestly if we hadn't lost to northwestern if we pulled it off against florida state or texas That Illinois game feels totally different, but it's like, oh, instead of one of these teams that can win in a bunch of different ways, well, we could lose in a bunch of different ways, and you just Mm -hmm. that's a good way to put it. You can't escape from being anything besides five and four, you are what your record says you are, and we've got obviously a few what we'd like to think are winnable games coming up before the most brutal stretch of basketball any of us can ever remember. And there's really no reason to feel like this team's going to even meet the relatively modest expectations we had for
2: it. I'll say on here what I said to you on text and and the goons. For the first time in history, and, and clearly it's a little bit of hyperbole and not apples to apples to say this, and we'll explain why. But for the first time in history, there are nine teams from the Big Ten Conference ranked in the top 25 of the AP poll. Now, clearly, part of the reason for that is because it used to be a true 10 team conference. So you could never have nine out of the 10 teams would have been 90% of the conference rank. Now it's a 14 team conference. So nine out of the 14, you know, obviously it's not nearly as high of a percentage, but nine of the 14 teams and it's been 14 teams for a a little while now are in the top 25 and we are not one of them.
1: And we're getting further away. Yeah. Yeah. Cause before we could kind of hang our hat a little bit on the, the Ken Palm and the Torvik, but now all that's going away too. And, and all we're left with is a team that if it doesn't get going soon, even making the tournament is in danger, which is something we all thought was kind of a given this year, but we're a a third of the way through the season and we're, we're barely above 500 just as big 10 play gets started.
2: Yeah. And look, two of our five wins are against Tennessee tech and North Alabama.
1: And, so and let's, w-
2: let's not, and we have, we have, we have one win. One of our five against a top 50 opponent. What?
1: It's not great. It's not great. It's
2: not, it's really, it's depressing. It's sad. It's, it's maddening. Um, I will say this. I've seen tweets and, and comments from other people on other shows about apathy setting in. I, look, I don't have it in me to become apathetic about Indiana basketball. I just don't, like I'd like, I'd almost like to have that because then it wouldn't bother me so much. I don't, I'm never gonna be apathetic. Um, I'm always gonna love Indiana. I'm always gonna root like hell for him, but I'm also gonna demand excellence from Indiana. And we are so far away from it, that it is, it is very hard To see where that light at the end of the tunnel is, you know, it's very difficult to see it, not just from this team, but when you do start to look out over the recruiting landscape, it is very difficult to see how this team this year turns the corner and then how the program turns the corner when you're talking about losing Trace Jackson Davis next year.
1: Well, And this is the team we've been building towards. We've got Trace, we've got an All-American, Armand's come out of nowhere, Uh, Race is doing well, Uh, but you have this five-star point guard riding the pine, so we really don't know what his possibilities are for expanding his game, having a more important role this season. And in any program, the best programs you have, this is the year where it's, this cycle is kind of all come together and we're really going to have the best chance of doing something this year. Then there'll be a, a year or so that's not quite as good, but, but, and I think we all feel that coming next year. And, and.
2: But that really this, shouldn't
1: happen after it shouldn't be. I'm free. saying it. if this was a a top 10 team, even a solidly top 15 team, that was like going to get a three or a four seed. And you're like, great. Okay. And then, and then we can move from there and maybe the loss of trace, but the, the young guards we have keep developing, you could spin it somehow, but right now there's not really a way to spin it into anything that gets you excited to watch the next game or feel good about, where the whole thing's going so that's why I just decided uh to to forget about it and watch the Colts and it would they were so amazing they just destroyed Pittsburgh so badly in the first half I just turned it off and left I'm like well, we got this yeah so I'm, like feeling, great. I'm feeling great I'm feeling great I heard Tennessee lost so I'm assuming now with the big Colts win yesterday we are uh uh, in control of the AFC South, and uh, I'm not going to mention that uh, Archie Miller is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and that that really bothers me.
2: Well, I mean that's the least <laughs> of what's bothering you about Archie these days.
1: <laughs> um, no, no. Yesterday it was it was the biggest thing. That was such uh, it, it just this is the perfect example of a horrible sports weekend where I don't want to go to Pigs. I don't want to go to the Athletic and read about the Colts. I even went on to Pigs today. And they had a big picture of Ben Roethlisberger on there. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing to me? I can't escape this shit. It was a terrible sports weekend. Terrible.
2: It is terrible. But you know what? Through the darkness, Pigs is always there. And they are always there because they are. And we are. Powered by
1: peace.
2: I just got to use up all the air. I got to use up all the air.
1: Got it, got it. I realized on the last one, I cannot try to accompany you or harmonize with you because of the Zoom lag. The Zoom lag sucks. It actually, it messed up your last carol because I was a beat off the whole time. So I'm like, all right, no more of that. Um, But thank you for going New Year's with it. Yeah, I wanted to go New
2: Year's. Yeah. This is our last podcast of the year. By the way, while I was singing that, or if you call it, a message popped up on the Zoom that says with a a music icon, like an Apple music icon or a music icon, and it says, are you playing music? Like (laughs) even the computer was not sure what was going on. (laughs) That is
1: literally what happened. Well, look, it is New Year's and that's a big deal. And there's all the New Year's stuff we could get into, but it's kind of a big deal for us here at the Hysterics that this is the 100th episode of our show that we are posting on topeggs.com. It's kind of a big deal for us.
2: 100 episodes, happy 100 to you, my friend. And-
1: And our last.
2: Let me ask you a question. Do you- (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you this. When people look back at things like tentpole moments in their lives, there's like only two ways that people go with it. They either say, oh my God, it seems like it was yesterday that so-and-so happened, or it seems like it was a lifetime ago that so-and-so happened. When you look back on the hundred episodes, which has spanned two years now, two plus years, does it seem fast to you or does it seem like we've been doing this now for a lifetime? Where, where, Where does your gut go with that?
1: Sitting here today, it feels like it went really fast. Living through it, it felt like it took forever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I don't know just, if the
1: pandemic had anything to do with that.
2: Just the Dane Fife interviews took. I mean, my <laughs> yeah. God, just that was two years, I thought.
1: We really should have given ourselves like credit for five shows on that one. What do we do? Did we post that over two or three?
2: Well, we did it over like four. But I right. think we ultimately did two parts of the Dane Five saga that like, were each like three or four hours long.
1: Yeah, I think because I think it added up to seven hours. But you're right. I think we, you know, between his car ride to Kokomo, you know, coming home from work and the kids arriving. Yeah, it was definitely piecemeal together. But no, it's it is. I go I go immediately to Bloomington to the events to seeing the faces I was going to say
2: give me one moment like if you just and I hate doing the what's your favorite episode because look we we know that that's an impossible answer for us to give We one love of,
1: all our children. Yeah and
2: and they're just all we're living a freaking fantasy doing this podcast. We, we, we say it every time that you and I talk about it. We are living out a fantasy and each one is a dream. So I, I, I can't, um, I won't say that, but just give me one moment from the hundred that, that maybe sticks out to you that we have not maybe discussed ad nauseum.
1: Well, it's, it's messed up that the, my mind doesn't immediately jump to us on stage at the Bluebird with Coach Knight yeah. Um. But where my mind's eye first went when we were getting into looking back over the last 100 episodes was actually meeting the goons in what is that place called, the root cellar?
2: The root cellar. Yeah. Under, under the farm. The farm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we were like, they came in and introduced themselves, and and it took me a solid minute talking with you and them to process that they had flown in from New York to Bloomington just to be here for the the homecoming event like I just could not believe people were willing to spend money and leave their family behind yeah. to do this thing and so so yeah that's that's the first thing I thought of we we talk about the goons plenty but that moment we met was was really cool
2: um I'll throw out two the first one one is a cheap plug because it, it seamlessly goes into something I want to talk about, but the, the other is, um, you and I spent some time talking about it way back when, but when we had Jared Jeffries on the show, which was our second interview, and uh, several months after that, we had Cody Zeller on the show. And Cody told us off camera that he heard the Jared Jeffries podcast, and it made him realize how much the the community of IU former players had been splintered and it bothered him and it motivated him to call Jared and catch up with Jared. And they had not spoken in many years. And, and I believe that he said he also called Calbert after that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I
1: remember that. And, and
2: so they, they connected and just knowing that Look, it is it is beyond humbling and gratifying to know that any fans like us are out there listening to this. But to know that, that the podcast meant something to the players that we so revere and had any part in them reconnecting so that they could share that special bond that so few people in this world share, that's incredibly humbling and, and overwhelming as well.
1: So well, that one when,
2: sticks out to me.
1: Yeah, and when you speak of that, we spent a lot of time in – In that first year, I would say, realizing that fracture among players, which I think we all knew to a certain degree anyway, because of uh, post-Coach Knight, Indiana University basketball tenures, um, never all brought it back together. But what's kind of fun is, oh, probably since about the time Coach Knight strolled into Assembly Hall last, well, earlier this year. God, I can't believe that was this year. Um, almost that, a year ago though. Yeah, that doesn't really, it, it feels like that, that wound uh, obviously it was a, a very healing moment and day, but that sort of the family coming back together is not inevitable and unstoppable, but it just really was a huge step in that direction. And I think Uh, we've been able to just sort of focus on other things. Obviously the year has been crazy for a million different reasons, but it does feel like, there's a real real chance moving forward for everybody to just come back whenever they feel like it feel welcome not feel weird it's like that's a little bit behind us now now it, a few great seasons of of some some major ass kicking on the court that really gets everybody excited former players and fans to all come together that's you know and just for people to be able to sit in the stands together that's good. we haven't really seen the fruit uh of coach knight coming back yet because nobody's been able to be in bloomington since march but i do feel like that's that's coming with the vaccine but I, before we uh, we get too far gone when you were talking about the apathy i am starting to see that in different text chains yeah, I know. different friends me. saying saying you know what i'm not going to watch uh, I'm going to record the game and if they win then I'll watch it but I'm done. I'm done already. And that's not 9 games. That's 3 plus seasons more. of this well, you're right. You're right. But it's like I think everybody who's a true IU fan has said, look, okay, new sheriffs in town, we got to give them some time. We understand that. Some people get more impatient more quickly, but but now at this point it's like nope, we are we are losing some people. And it's, and it's just, not because
2: of impatience at this point.
1: It, no, no.
2: Right. now, it's just execution and and performance and competence. Period. Like it, wins, wins, yeah, that, that's and, it. and
1: and watching watching an enjoyable game, like seeing watching it out. Enjoyable there on the product.
2: Floor. We're yeah. Watching. I mean, it is entertainment, and it is not entertaining. So I get. I do get that. I get. I don't have it in me to become apathetic, but I do understand how somebody could. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, one quick thing I want to say on the the coach night thing. I think I have less faith than you that it was fixed. I think it is something that was so damaged for 20 years that it is up to the IU administration, the athletic administration, and the basketball staff to make sure that when fans are allowed back in the game, that there is a contingent of former players at every game and that they are treated right, and that they are welcomed with open arms. And it's not just a reunion here or there. It's an every game thing. And I hope that – because let's be honest, this has not been the strong suit of the IU Athletic Department for the last 20 years.
1: Right. But I didn't say it was fixed, but I said – now like the table is set where if they're to do exactly what you're
2: yes outlining they 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 can be
1: successful they can and there might be a couple you know debbie downers who just don't want to get with the program but by and large if they do what you say we're good we're good everybody is feels feels like they are allowed to be back there and supporting the program and not betray their beloved coach
2: totally agree hope they do it and we will continue to push for them to do it. Uh, that is for sure. The last thing I wanted to bring up before we get into today's guest, what are you smiling about?
1: I'm excited for the journey you're about to go on.
2: Yes. I, I, is so that right? Well, yes. I wanted to bring up that the other moment that I would point to is us being totally smitten, blown away, inspired, motivated. Any word in that kind of class you want to throw at it it was us after talking to Koch, Koch?
1: <laughs> after- uh, fo- former New York mayor Ed Koch, <laughs> <We> <laughs> rest, to him- Ed Koch. <laughs> rest his soul
2: <laughs> he was so impressive that I was ready to move to New York <laughs> yeah. okay um, when we got a chance to speak to coach Tom Allen just a few short months ago before the season started we were so on board because we got to experience him directly. It wasn't like just watching some videos or hearing other people talk, we got to feel it. And, and watching this season of Indiana football has been, I mean, I cannot think of a regular season of any team That has been this enjoyable since Cheney. Honestly, sure, a regular season. I'm not talking about just a tournament run in 2002. Obviously, the number one team in 2012-13 was a great team, but there were some big missteps that year that were, were were tough. But and and we expected so much of them, obviously. So when your expectations are higher, it makes meeting them is not as fun as exceeding expectations. It has been, as a sports fan my whole life, one of the most enjoyable. I can't think of anything I would put above it as far as a regular season. There may be other seasons. I was a big St. Louis, I'm a big St. Louis Cardinal fan. We've won the World Series a few times and been really good in the regular season. But I just don't remember a team that exceeded expectations the way that this team has and in the way that they have. Yeah. Because that's really what it is. It's the product on the field, it's the result on the field, and it's the feeling that we've gotten a peek into with these videos and post-game locker room speeches and Tom Allen's press conferences. It has been the most gratifying ride as a fan that I can imagine having. So I am just so thankful for it. And I am so excited that I'm going to the bowl game on Saturday, I'm leaving Friday. I am very sad that Ward is not coming with me in totality. (laughs) He is coming with me in a different way. And we're gonna leave that to Twitter to to deal with that. But also to to just, here's what's going on. So that nobody thinks we're all lunatics here. I'm divorced. I,
1: I, I think that ship has sailed my friend. Fair
2: enough, we are lunatics. But here's why I'm going and Ward is not going. I Am divorced and thus split my kids with my wife, my ex-wife. I am taking the kids this entire week and then Mandy is going to take the kids next week so that when I come back I can quarantine in my house and be totally safe. I can be away from each other. Ward is happily married with two kids and a wife and cannot responsibly quarantine without being totally neglectful of his duties as a husband and father. I can.
1: (laughs) And, and my wife, my wife, Annie is excited for you. She said that Eric's going to have a great time. You can't see him for two weeks until after he gets back.
2: (laughs) I get it. Look, look, I went and got tested today to make sure that I'm clean so I can go and I'm not infecting anybody. Got my kids tested today too, but I got tested today. When I come back, I'll test like the Monday, then I'll test again Thursday. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to wear a mask while I'm there. I'm going to be as responsible as I can, I'm flying in Friday night, sleeping, going to the game Saturday morning, I rented a car so I don't even have to be in a cab with somebody and I am gonna root like hell for Indiana to hopefully listen to this, win their first January bowl in program history. That's what's at stake here. So I'm very excited. And I, as I think back on the hundred that we've done, we've talked to magical people There are very few people in the world as special as Tom Allen and and what he's done this year has been unspeakably remarkable so I am uh, really excited to be able to show my support in person one time for this team, and I will be representing Ward and all the hysterics at that game who cannot make it.
1: I I will say that you talked about the most fun seasons in, in in a sports team you followed history. And I would actually go back to the 2011 2012 basketball team where we would, Cody was there, though, there, but we didn't know, we didn't know how good this team was going to be, especially that season. And when they beat Kentucky, North Carolina State, before that, have a really good season, they're ranked and get to the Sweet 16. That was exceeding expectations. And we knew the following year was going to be great. And I think part of what has made this football season so special is being like, Whoa, we did it again. Whoa, we did it again, man. We're really good. Actually. Wow. We're really, really good. (gasps) Everybody's pretty much coming back next year, you know? So it's, maybe it's not the best thing for a fan to always be looking ahead, but when we're doing it in a positive way, in those examples, it really makes it all that much more fun where, where it's not like 2012, 2013. It's like, we're number one, we better win all these. We better win the whole thing. We got it. you know, it's going to be a disappointment. There's, there's a pressure with the players with the staff and with the fans. Um, And this whole season's kind of been like house money because yes, Did we feel good about the direction the program was going with Tom Allen? Certainly. Did we think it was going to be like this? No, sir. And so, no one did. So so fun, um, and really iconic moments with Pennix stretching out to beat Ben State, um, all the way to just like the defensive dismantling of Wisconsin on their own field. It's just memories yeah. that will be with us forever now if we have five ten more great seasons after this with tom allen like we think we will uh, some of those might start to blur together because there's so many great games and moments but this will always be a very special season
2: yes and for all the reasons you said and and just putting a pin in it because i it, you, it's basically what you were saying but it is It is one thing to watch your team exceed expectations for a season. It is one thing to know that like the future looks great, but given our past, we knew what we were watching about halfway into the season. We were watching the establishment of a relevant program. One of the likes of which has never happened at Indiana. I mean, as good as Bill Mallory's era was, What we think we are seeing from Tom Allen is a notch above that. And that has never happened in Indiana. And so kind of recognizing that that's what's happening while you're on the train, you know? Yeah. Is is just nothing we've ever seen before because from basketball, since we were born, we knew we, if there was ever a downturn, it was just trying to get back up to the level that we have known. Establishing something anew is remarkable. And the fact that he is one of the hundred that make up the tapestry of what our podcast has become is phenomenal. And I honestly cannot think of a better way to do 100 and to end 2020 with the guest that we have today, which is something fresh, something new, something special. something Something fun something fun, something funny, something remarkable, something that has never been done before. And simply speaking, talking to a person who is the best in the world of all time at what they do.
1: In the, in the history of our species, these little stopwatches say, nobody's done it better.
2: And I'm so happy that the podcast has grown to allow us to do interviews like this and conversations like this. And I'm incredibly grateful to the people as we end this year and, and wrap up our, our 100th intro, the people that listen to us are the only reason we are afforded the ability to do this. That, that's it. The, the support that they have given us, the comments on PEAKS, the followers on Twitter, the listens on Spotify or Apple or on PEAKS, it has created a footprint where these athletes that come out of Indiana want to be on the show. And we know it is in, in spite of us. I mean, we <laughs> know that. It has nothing to do with us. It is absolutely in spite of Ward and Eric, but we are happy to be the ones that are lucky enough to uh, accept the fortune that the Hoosier Nation has bestowed on us. And this podcast and these interviews are exactly that. They, They are an absolute blessing, and I am so excited to do the intro
1: for this one today. Well, then let's go ahead and do that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we started off being a basketball podcast. Then we stepped off of the court over onto the gridiron. Today, we're jumping into the pool. Now you might wanna get yourselves a snack, settle in, cause Eric's gonna read the accomplishments of this incredible young lady and it's gonna take a little while. Eric, good luck to you. If we
2: were like, if there was no COVID and we could really uh, have fun with this, what we should have done is had our guest jump in the pool and swim a 100 meter breaststroke and see if I could read her accomplishments in a shorter amount of time than she could swim. I'm betting I could not. That's how she would, she would definitely beat me. But let's get into it. We are talking to a young woman who set a national age record when she was in the 15, 16 year old group. She's the junior world record holder in the 400 meter medley relay she's the first woman in ncaa history to win eight breaststroke titles she was the honda sports award winner for best female swimmer and by the way she was nominated for that award four years in a row one in her fourth year she is the first hoosier swimmer to win multiple events at the u.s olympic trials since mark spitz She was the big 10 female athlete of the year twice. She is the owner of three world records. She has won four gold medals at the short course world championships, two individual world titles at the 2017 world championships, two team titles there too, a title in the 2018 Pan Pan Pacific World Championships, won two individual world titles and one relay world title in the 2019 world championships. And of course, I had to save this for last, in the 2016 Olympics, she won the gold medal in the 100 meter breaststroke within Olympic record time. And she won a gold medal as part of Team USA's four x 100 medley relay team. Holy hell, we are talking to Olympic royalty, Hoosier royalty, and simply put, one of the greatest athletes that's ever set foot in Bloomington. Please welcome Lily King. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, clearly, after reading all of those accomplishments, there's only one question that comes to everybody's mind, and that is, so what is your ideal meal at McDonald's?
0: <laughs> um, usually, I go for a double cheese and
2: a Coke, large Coke. <laughs> large Coke, no, no fries.
0: Not usually. Gotta, oh, wow. gotta, you know. Keep this figure intact. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's where you draw the line. You go double cheeseburger and coke, but I'm gonna skimp on
1: the fries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm I'm sad to hear that the McFlurry didn't make it in there, but I get it. You're you're a a world class athlete.
0: I mean, the ice cream machine's always broken, so that's, you true. Know? that's So true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is so true.
1: But but
2: it is is McDonald's your favorite fast food restaurant?
0: Uh yeah, probably. Like just a, a standard fast food, I'd say, yeah, McDonald's. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> so we usually save this for later and I'm going off script here. Eric, roll with me. Lily, we have to ask you, what's your favorite pizza in Bloomington?
0: Ooh, I would say just like as an overall pizza, uh, Aver's Cream and Crimson. Is my favorite.
2: But we've Mm -hmm. heard this now. So we we graduated back, I in ninety nine and Ward in two thousand. Avers wasn't around then. So but we come back regularly and we gorge ourselves on food. Avers has come up with more recent graduates of Indiana. That apparently has really taken over. And the cream and crimson specifically is what we're told is so good.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's weird. It's like got potatoes and stuff on it, but it's it's unreal, it's so good. <laughs>
1: all right,
2: when we go back next time, we're getting Aver's cream and crimson for sure. <laughs> okay,
1: and so when you do indulge in the dessert, the McFlurry machine is shut down, where would you go to Bloomington to get something sweet?
0: Ooh, I'm not a huge sweets person. Um, I'm not sure, I'd probably go for some ice cream, maybe maybe chocolate mousse, Hartzels, Great. something like that. Yeah. Great, okay, Perfect.
1: Perfect. all right. So So then what we were gonna talk about all these incredible accomplishments you hear Eric and that was like an abridged version you know you you could have swam several 200 meter races in the time if he'd gone all the way through it what stands out to you what's what's the thing that just makes you happiest to think about
0: (laughs) in terms of those accomplishments is what
1: you're asking yeah proudest most satisfied what just fills your heart with joy
0: yeah I mean Olympic Olympic gold's obviously yes. like that's those are the big ones um but one that's like i don't think as many people would think i'd be as proud of is definitely the the NCAA titles yeah um cuz i could have like easily gone pro after my freshman year um just cuz that was the year following the olympics it would have been a a very easy and maybe financially better decision to go pro <laughs> after that um but I, I you know i decided not to i decided to finish my four years here and uh and yeah it's just something that I never thought that would happen, you know, coming into my freshman year. I was like Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. That was always all I was thinking about, but um, do, like having eight in a row and, and four in a row and, and, uh, and two events was pretty cool. Really, I, I you... have to
1: follow up on the yep. Olympics question because to hear you say, oh, that really stands out. You have reverence for what that means. But I did hear when your coach went to borrow your gold medals for something, that you were keeping them in a grocery bag. Is that true?
0: That was true at one point in time. It was like, I had them in like a CVS bag or something. I don't know. (laughs) I was 19, like, what was I gonna do? Right. Um, But now uh, my aunt made them a a little cozy. So they live in there now. So we've upgraded from the the plastic bag. (laughs) Are they
2: with you right now?
0: I mean, they're not sitting in my lap, but they're
2: (laughs) they're in my apartment. (laughs) you, You could grab them so we could see them at some point, maybe at the end? Yeah, totally. Okay, go. we'll do that at the end. Cause I, I mean, <laughs> look, look, I, when I was 16 years old I won the gold medal in the Maccabea games which was for Jewish athletes in the uh-huh. Midwest region for bowling. Okay, <laughs> now now that's true. And there were about four competitors. So I beat out three of the best Jewish 16 year old bowlers in the Midwest region. But anytime <laughs> I can be around gold, it is like, you know, you grow up in America, you know how important the Olympic medal is. So I I do want to go back to something you said about turning pro. Can you help educate Ward and I and fans out there? What does it mean to turn pro in the swimming world? What does that lifestyle look like? What's the, is there a league? I I know you're, you're in the professional ranks now. So just kind of walk us through what the pro ranks look like in swimming.
0: Right. So, um, so basically when you turn pro it's, normally after you're done collegiately um there aren't very many swimmers that go pro before they're done with school um and basically you do the same thing you always do <laughs> like 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 almost all the swimmers train out of their universities um, so like wow. we still have we have an enormous professional group here well enormous it there are, i think 14 of us so that's a pretty pretty large professional group uh for you know just like one university site um and then, yeah, you just like go to slow meets and you can now make money when you place well and things like that. And then now actually there is also professional league. So we just finished up our second season um, about a month ago. So now like we do have more of a league. It's like actually a professional sport now, <laughs> it seems yeah. like so.
2: By the way, because so- I know you're too modest to say it, but when you say you just finished up the league, you finished up your first season, right, as a professional where you went undefeated in 16 events is that what i read
0: yeah so we had to, yeah. so the first season was last year so that was okay. like my like first professional thing ever so okay yeah undefeated last year i lost a couple races this year but we don't we, we don't
1: know we're not we do not we are not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, what but is, but what's your purse look like yeah because like, you're talking about winning for races so we'll get the purse question and then i'm guessing there's is there sponsorships for the team? Is there advertising around events? Is there is there individual sponsors for you? How does it all work?
0: Yeah, so basically, what it looks like is like the very top end of swimmers. So I'm I'm shooting like for probably top eight at the Olympics, like top eight in the world in each event. They're gonna have like individual sponsors. So like I'm sponsored by a suit company, and then also by you know a couple other things. Um, but then other than that, there aren't really a lot of sponsorship opportunities for swimmers. Um, so they're along with, oh, I'm like this too, but we'll make probably most of our money, like off, off prize money. So like mm. if you place first in this event, you get this amount of money. Or what
2: is, like what is, is, and are there events that are like in tennis, like the uh, the, the grand slams? You know, are there like the major events? And what is the most you can, what is the biggest purse that can happen if you finish first in a swimming event?
0: Um, I actually don't know the exact amount that like would be a first place. Um, But obviously like you're gonna make uh, more money at like world championships or something of that sort. Uh, I think the most I've won, I take it back. There's one meet where we won a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Tell us, I gotta Um, know, I gotta know.
0: Yeah, and I think I... I think I won, like, t- it was $10,000 for a win.
1: Yes.
2: So,
0: and then I won three events that meet.
2: So. Oh, yes. <laughs>
1: that's, that's, a, that's a good meet. And is it all is it all pretty integrated with um, all the top swimmers in the world, I'm guessing, are all wanting to do the same competitions? So, in a professional league, is that taken into account with, like, the calendar, the schedule? Like, there's not going to be any professional meets going on during Olympic trials or the world championships type of
0: thing. right that's a good question um honestly this year's been different just because of covid so um there really weren't any meets happening so we did like a six-week training camp slash bubble type thing um where we just like trained and raced for six weeks but there are some conflicting dates every once in a while um i'm sure now with like with the league uh we're gonna have a few more of those conflicting yeah. with other meets uh you know across the world so well, you know, we'll see you next year.
2: And Lily, is it different for you competing for money and a, and a livelihood as opposed to being part of like the Indiana Hoosiers swimming team where you're just competing for pride and bragging rights and the school and your teammates?
0: Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it's different because of the money. Oh. Um, I'm always competing for bragging rights. Um, <laughs> yes.
2: That's what we love about you.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my motivations haven't changed. I would say, like since starting professional, um, but yeah, it, it's definitely different. Um, luckily, like the our professional league, ISL, has made it more normal to swim like for a team environment, like it would be in the NCAA. Um, So that's been good. But yeah, sometimes when you go to a meet and you're like, you're just swimming by yourself for yourself. It's a little, it's a little weird. It's kind of sad sometimes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, I did read somewhere where you were having a little bit of trouble finding motivation after you won all this stuff at Mm -hmm. such a young age. And so I'm wondering in a year like this, where you're like, I I mean, I'm not even going to get to compete really this year. How do you keep yourself motivated?
0: Yeah, it was, uh, especially like when I was kind of having those motivation issues, like everything happened so quickly. Like I, I in high school and and up until my freshman year of college, I was second at like everything, every, every event, every race, second at junior nationals, second at high school state meet, second at national, second at world university game. So it was like, all I saw was silver for like three years.
1: Mm.
0: And then I got to college and I got really fast and I you know, swim NCAAs, set two American records, make the Olympic team, win two Olympic gold medals, and then fast forward a year, set two, set two world records. So then I was like, well, the swimming thing's like pretty easy. Like, I already get it all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then, you know, it's kind of like, well, what, what, what's next? Um, but I was, it, that's kind of always in my head is, is what's next. Like, well, I mean, like, I've already, I already have a world record, like, yeah. <laughs> what, what is next, um, but I think, you know, quarantine and kind of this super weird year just um, made me really appreciate kind of what I have, because um, it was, it, like, was all taken away in a week, like, I didn't have a place to train, the Olympics weren't happening, um, like, nothing was the same, so I think it was, I think it was definitely a good um, mental break for me, but also just kind of let me have a moment to step back and say, wow, like, I get to do all these really cool things and and uh that's not normal like no, <laughs> as, no. as normal as i think it is is really not <laughs> no no
2: you you are far from normal and, <laughs> and you know I'm, I'm glad you brought up the olympic thing because look you you were 19 when you went to the olympics the first time mm-hmm. and that was in mm-hmm. 2016 and you win gold yeah. and i mean you're you can literally say i am the best in the world at something and by the way That seems like it's the best thing ever. And then you set a world record where you can literally say, I'm the best in the world ever, which is just ridiculous. But what what was it like getting ready for the 2020 Olympics? How was your mindset different now that like, you're not surprising anybody. You're the one with the target on your back and you're a vocal person. So definitely the world is coming after you and what was it like mentally and emotionally for you when the rug was pulled out from under you that that was going away?
0: Yeah, uh, it, I was swimming uh, with a bunch of my close friends and we were actually commuting to Evansville, my hometown, because that was the only place we had to swim that week. Mm. Um, and you know, they, we, the news broke at some point on, probably on Twitter, I'm sure. Um, and I was, I was okay with it. We all kind of dealt with it differently. I was honestly fine. Um, I'm also really good at shoving my feelings down my throat and not dealing with them. Um, (laughs) Just go to, go to
1: McDonald's and get a, get a double cheeseburger to eat your feelings.
0: Pretty much. I'm kind of a like pretend like nothing happened kind of person. So,
1: um,
0: and honestly, like I was, I'm in a really good situation where a lot of other people aren't, um, you know, like I was not going to retire after 2020, um, I don't have any, well, I have one kind of younger kid coming after me, but she's not American. So it's like, I don't have any kids like vying for my Olympic spot. Um, I'm pretty much guaranteed to make the team in the hundred for sure. Unless I DQ the race. So it wasn't, it wasn't as stressful for me. Cause it's not like I was going to be done swimming or anything it was going to be Got that right. much different a year later. Um, but training was definitely hard. Just like not having a meet. It was weird. Like I've never, yeah. I've never not had a meet. I've never not been in full training mode, so um, it was it was definitely an interesting summer. It was like my summer off, kind of.
2: I was going to well, say, how long did you go without? It, since you were 12 years old or whatever, how long have you ever gone without being in the in a pool? And how long did you go this last seven months?
0: Yeah. Um, well, since I was twelve, that's that's debatable because I did participate in a few other sports. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Up until high school, but yeah, I mean, you know, normally it's it's like maybe two weeks off in August, maybe mm-hmm. a week off in March, but usually, like, I mean, especially once I got to college, it was like probably three days off after NCAA's, mm-hmm. and then i I'd, I'd take a small break after um, whatever my championship. Championship meet was so whatever that was that the Olympics or world championships or whatever it's usually like two maybe three weeks. Um, so actually I only took a week off of swimming. Um, what? Yeah.
2: <laughs> just because you felt like you needed it, like it was part of just that's who you are, and and it it makes you happy.
0: A little bit. Um, so we took a week off after after the Olympics had been postponed, and then, um. Like, kind of like our whole group went home and just kind of hung out and I was like I cannot be at home right now like I need to be doing something so um Ray my coach called me he said hey we found a place to swim like do you want to come what day do you want to start and I'm like yeah, you know I'll be there Monday like <laughs> wow. I need something to do so um me and a couple of my teammates started driving to Indy to swim four days a week so um we were in the car a lot <laughs> this <Yeah>. spring
1: <laughs> Well, it it seems like a good segue to go back to the beginning as to where this all started. Growing up in Evansville, both your parents were collegiate athletes. Your mother was a swimmer. Mm -hmm. Did they just take you from the crib and put you into the pool? Or did they more let you come to it uh, of your own accord and, and find whatever your interest was at that time? And it just ended up being swimming
0: um so yeah both my parents were were athletes my mom uh did swim and then my dad ran track and cross country um so it was like a very we were just a very athletic household um always outside always playing always competing um and yeah i mean i i was always i was always really happy in the water that was that was like what i remember is that uh like my aunt and uncle had a pool and it was always like a knockdown drag out trying to get me out of the pool <laughs> um which was bad because it was outside and I'm so pale and I would just burn oh, yeah. in like 20 minutes so
2: <laughs> but um you, nobody could get you out of the water yeah you loved it right right um and then when at what point in your life does it go from I just like being in the water to hey let's sign you up for a swim team or hey there's a meet that you can participate in
0: right yeah um i begged my mother to let me swim the Summer City Swim League when I was six, begged her. I couldn't get up and down the pool. I was horrible, like couldn't get up and down the pool. So she said, no, you're not gonna swim. And I was like, what, (laughs) what do you mean? so she made me wait another year and then I I started swimming summer league when I was seven and loved it I was like doing other things obviously too like I was seven years old what seven-year-old commits to sport
2: right um
0: (laughs) yeah so like I was like doing gymnastics and playing baseball and like all this other stuff um and then yeah I started swimming year-round uh the next year so when I was eight and then I kind of always swam year-round I'd take I'd take some time off here and there to um you know play a different sport. I played volleyball. I ran track and cross country. Uh, none were my calling. Um, <laughs> but like I, and I, I played the piano. So like I missed a w- day of swim practice every week until I was in high school for piano lessons. So like Whoa. I was, I did a lot of other things. Do you still um, play
1: piano at all?
0: I do play a little bit. It's not great, but I can still I can still fiddle around with it. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't uh, fully commit to swimming till my freshman year of high school, and that was because I was trying to make Olympic trials. So wow.
2: now, Warden, yeah. I was does... talking about this before the interview. Very important that we get to the bottom of this. What kind of pool entry approach strategy do you employ? For me, I need to dip one leg in. I need to get the water on the body. I need to. I need to just convince myself mentally it's not too cold. I, I need a. I need about ten minutes. I need about ten minutes to get into the water. What's your strategy on getting into the pool?
0: I oh, just gotta dive in. You just. It's like you gotta rip the bandaid off.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If
0: you're at yeah. practice at like five thirty in the morning, like the oh. dip and the toe in is not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Fair enough. So, so, fair enough. so when we're being from the, the basketball podcast background, we're now very well versed on how uh, a young teen starts to appear on the national scene as a talent. For mm-hmm. you, how, how does that work? Because you said going into freshman year, you already wanted to get in on the Olympic qualifying end of things. How did you start to emerge from your local Evansville pool to become somebody that you, know, you knew you could compete at the national level?
0: Right. Um, it was, it's, I went like very by the book. I, I took like every single step basically. So like when I was 12, I won state meet and then I kept winning state meet. And then, uh, I would qualify for like a zone meet, which was like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, there's like a Midwest zone and a, and a, sure. south, a Southern zone and a Western zone. And, um, I'd swim well at zones and I'd beat some different people from different states. And then, you know, you qualify for junior nationals, then you win junior nationals, then you qualify for senior nationals, you win senior nationals. So it just kind of, it like every, I took every step. Um, and then, yeah, so going, I would say, uh, going into my senior year of high school, I qualified for national team. Um, so that's the top six in each Olympic event. So I was six when I was 17. So I was like, all right,
2: um,
0: made, I made a national team. So, um, after that summer I qualified for world university games and that was my first like major international meet. Um, so then I'm competing against all these like college kids when I'm not in college yet <laughs> <laughs> because we somehow finagled, finagled way for me to get into that meet. Um, nice. yeah. And then, and then, um, after that summer I was, I think I was sixth in the world, um, going into my freshman year. And, uh, yeah. And then I was sitting third and, and the U S and top two, make the Olympic team. So it was kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, this is probably going to happen next
1: summer. <laughs> now, now, during this process, I'm, I'm guessing this is when you're starting to realize breaststroke is your thing, right? <laughs> like what, how does that develop as a swimmer where you realize I'm better at this than the butterfly or the backstroke? How, how does that shake out? So by the time you're competing internationally, you're like, this is my jam.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, So breaststrokers are a little bit different than everybody else. So we're like known as the weird swimmers, which I'm fine with. Like I'm pretty weird, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) it's a very, it's a very different movement than the other three strokes. So I have, my best event has been the hundred breaststroke since I was eight years old. Wow. So it has always been my best event. Um, So I've kind of always known I'm a breaststroker. Uh, Other people aren't like that though. It, It it can, it can switch it up for, for a lot of other swimmers, but I've, I've always been a breaststroker.
2: But what I'm curious about is at eight years old, you knew, oh wow, I'm really good at this. Do you think had you made a decision at that point, like, okay, I know I'm really good at this, but I'm gonna focus even more on, you know, butterfly or, or any of the others. Do you think you could have had similar success or is there something about the way you're built and your natural God-given ability that it just fits with breaststroke more than the others?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know, I really think I trained a lot. I trained every, I trained everything. So I trained butterfly, I trained backstroke, trained breaststroke, trained freestyle, um, and I swam a lot of IM, in, you know, in high school sure. and in, in college. I luckily don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think. Um, I think you just know when you're a breaststroker. Uh, I had a coach tell me <laughs> when I was a lot younger that breaststroke chooses you and you don't choose breaststroke. So <laughs> I like um, that. I think I think it was it was meant
2: to be. <laughs> when you were a kid and and starting in the meets and and really getting good, did you have swimming role models that you looked up to? Were there Olympians that you looked up to like that? That's who I want. I want to do that or or somebody who you kind of patterned yourself after.
0: Um, you know, honestly, there weren't any, uh, there wasn't anyone that was current in swimming, uh, while I was growing up that I looked, looked up to, especially in the female side. Cause swimmers are, I don't know. They're weird. Um, they're not, they're just not real outspoken and they don't right. really, they just don't speak their mind or say what's on their mind or act competitive at all, especially like in media situations, which is so weird. Luckily that's more normal now. Um, yes. But I would say the person I looked up to the most was Janet Evans, who had yes. long since been retired. Yes. Um. But that she actually, kind of,
2: when I was a kid and yeah. Warren was a kid, she was she was the. I mean, look, we're both Indiana guys. Our parents yes. are Indiana people my mom went on a date with Mark Spitz. So, really? I, yeah, so I grew up with like my dad always having this like weird inferiority thing about <laughs> the fact that Mark Spitz, I, I, I could tell that it kind of bothered him every time I would bring it up. So Mark Spitz was the hero, but then like, you know, there were other swimmers that, mm-hmm. that came around, especially on the men's side, but Evans for sure. And then wasn't Summer Sanders, wasn't she a swimmer?
0: Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Summer
2: Sanders. (laughs) She was awesome. And I remember her. So those were the only two that I remember as a kid.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, um, Janet came and did a clinic, uh, in my hometown. And I went, this was like before I was swimming around, like I went and, um, I was getting lapped by everybody. Like, again, I was, I was really, really terrible until I was probably 12. Um, so it was a it was like a long struggle bus for me. But anyway. Struggle um, <laughs>
2: bus. Was that a Clayton Anderson reference you just made? Struggle bus?
0: Maybe.
2: <laughs> uh, we love us some Clayton Anderson. That's the first struggle <laughs> bus reference on this podcast. I use struggle bus in my daily life all the time. Shout out Clayton Anderson. I love it. <laughs>
0: But yeah, so she came, came into this clinic. And uh, I decided at eight years old, I was like, I'm going to be Janet Evans. That's mm. who I'm going to be. Um, so uh, I actually I met her after Rio again. Uh, you know, she doesn't remember me from a clinic when I was eight, but right. I, I met her again. And we actually have a pretty, pretty cool relationship now. So um, it's it's fun that like, I can see that like, oh, like my hero is now someone I can just text randomly during the day. Like it's, uh, it's super cool, but yeah. That's awesome.
1: so, so I am wondering about growing up in Evansville, your, your mother was a swimmer. Um, was there a knowledge of the history of Indiana university and doc councilman and the incredible accomplishments that had been going on there before even Eric and I were born. And, and then even that Indianapolis has such an incredible, a uh, history facility for mm-hmm. swimming and diving, compared to say, you'd think all great swimmers would come from you know California or Florida. Mm-hmm. Is there some natural advantages to being from Indiana when you have that kind of history and and facilities around you?
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, okay, so just kind of some weird fun facts. So my mom slammed the very first high school state meet at the natatorium
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of pretty cool. I think. Very yeah. cool. Um, and then she also uh, trained in Bloomington one summer um, when she was like back home, basically. Um, and, and doc had been retired at that point, but Hobie the diving coach was still here. Mm-hmm. So um, awesome. definitely had a lot of knowledge of, of, you know, the IU history and, and everything that comes with swimming in Indiana. Um, but I think a lot of people don't know, I don't know if it is necessarily anymore, but when I was in high school, Indiana had like the fastest high school state meet in the country. Mm. Um, so there was a, there was a large group of girls that were right around my age and we're all pretty much still swimming professionally at this point. Um, so yeah, it was like, you know, you watch events, like state record going down, state record going down. And then, um, I remember the girl, the girls from Carmel set the national record in all three relays that year. Like it was, it was an insane meet to watch. Yeah. Now,
1: now do the, the, the female swimmers at Carmel have the same reputation as the, the boy swimmers? Because when I was growing up in high school, I heard the most insane, intense, scary team to be a part of in high school was the Carmel swimming team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's scary and intense, but it's um it's kind of like a cult to be honest like like, like, that sounds
1: scary scary. that sounds scary and intense (laughs) Lily you know you're a badass
2: you know you are so much tougher than we are Ward when you say it's not really scary I wouldn't call it scary it's just a cult (laughs) that's how you (laughs) know you're a badass yeah but being
0: one of the only like elite slimmers that didn't transfer into Carmel in Indiana Mm. um it was it was weird watching them at state meet because it was like they were just so much better than everyone else. Like, I, I don't know what the number is now, but I think they're at like 36 high school state titles in a row. Like, they don't lose, they don't lose that meet. And to see like all of the fast swimmers that have come through Indiana High School and like them never having lost that meet is just insane. It's nuts.
2: That is it. They're a dynasty. So, yeah. obviously. You, your, your skill in the pool is, is unparalleled and that's, that's proven. <laughs> but, but the other part of you that I think helps drive that and also what just makes you stand out as a, as a figure that people love. And, and if you don't know, people love you. It is, <laughs> I mean, you, you are just such a beacon for, for Hoosier fans and for just people that take pride in America doing well in world events. But your, you mentioned it already, your competitive spirit, your willingness to say what is truth and not be scared of the fallout, uh, call things out. And we're going to get into that stuff when, <laughs> when they need to be called out. Where does that come from? Is that something your parents have? And when did that kind of trash talking of that kind of stuff, when did that start for you?
0: oh man the trash talking you know I've I've kind of always been this way good and my dad said he's like you know when you were little it was really really annoying but we (laughs) knew that it was going to be helpful at some point in your life (laughs) um so yeah I mean I've always just kind of been like real like just really competitive my uh my brother and I are less than a year apart in age so Mm. That like I always had someone to compete with at everything at school and sports like at piano lessons like we would race through piano lessons to see who could play the song the fastest not the best (laughs) but the fastest yeah right (laughs) yeah he's actually a musician now so that's funny um that's cool uh, yeah but I've just always been like obnoxiously competitive um and as far as the calling people out I don't know it just kind of comes naturally I guess If the word. it's just a certain wit that I have, I would say. Yes.
2: <laughs> did, did, do you remember any, I mean, clearly you've got some, we'll call them rivals, although I hate using the word rivals because for a, a rivalry to exist, they've got to beat you every once in a while and that doesn't this happen with true. you. But mm-hmm. but people that, that, you know, get under your skin a little bit and, Do you remember that happening at meets when you were 12 and 13, 14? And then when you got into high school, were there rivals that, that you just took extra pleasure in beating?
0: Oh, of course. Um, I, you know, I've always, at least in my brain, like I've had a nemesis or a rival since I was like 10 years old. I would find somebody and I'm like you like you're the one I'm going head to head with you're my nemesis for the month
1: (laughs) and and that and that their face is going through your mind when you're practicing that that is that is the fuel for the fire
0: yeah absolutely Uh,
1: so again, you've maybe answered some of this already because you were familiar with the history of IU, but talk us a little bit about how the recruiting process goes for, for collegiate swimming and why you did ultimately decide to go to Bloomington.
0: Yeah. Um, so I actually did not want to go to IU at all. (laughs) Really? Yeah. So I was like, I'm not like, not going there there were a bunch of people from my club team that had gone there and had done well but i was like i feel like everyone expects me to go to iu like and like at this point i was a lot better than those people on my club team were so (laughs) i was like i need to be going to like the number one school like with you know whatever like i need to be going to the west coast like i'm gonna be i'm gonna leave i'm leaving it again i'm getting out
1: who else was Um, recruiting you who were those those top teams
0: um yeah so what I narrowed it down to, so I decided I wasn't going to go West coast. Cause I, ugh, I can't do the West coast.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so I narrowed it down to, I well eventually IU, um, Tennessee, Texas, and Florida. Those were, that's kind of what I had it narrowed down to. Um, and you know, Ray, uh, my coach, he just out-recruited everyone. Like he is the most persistent human I have ever seen in my life. Um, and we're, I think we're very similar in that way. Um, but he, he genuinely just out-recruited everyone. Um, and I was, you know, kind of, I looked at really weird things when I was being recruited. So I had a ton of different coaches in high school, just people getting fired and moving and doing all this different stuff. So, um, kind of just like stability with a coach was really important to me. So I was looking at how old the coach was and then how old their children were. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. they, this guy's got a kid in high school. Like, they're not going to take a job somewhere else and like uproot their family, right? Nice. That would make no sense. So that was me at 16. <laughs>
2: like, where that, are is, in that is some really forward thinking from a. a 16 I, yeah, I year was. Old.
0: I had some weird, weird thoughts, but um, <laughs> yeah, and then just looking at the program, like um, every single person in their breaststroke group had got a best time the year before. Huh. Hmm, what a concept! Like. <laughs> um and then cody miller one of my best friends had just uh won nationals and, and qualified for for pan pacific championships and at that point i was kind of like okay like they're doing something right over there um and yeah and then i i took my recruiting trip here and just fell in love with it like i just really felt at home and um i felt at home with the team i like i was i wasn't awkward with them because like going into a going into recruiting trip is just kind of awkward anyway Like you walk into this big group of people that are all really good friends and you don't know anybody and it's just, it's just weird, but I didn't feel weird with them um, for some reason.
2: I would assume that the swimming world, especially at that level is a fairly small world. Like you, I would think you see a lot of those people at, at the same events over and over again. Did, were any people in your recruiting class or already on the IU team, former rivals of yours, were any of them your former nemesis that now you had to be on a team with? (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, I didn't have any, uh, former nemesis, nemesis, nemesis. Nemesi. Nemesi, <laughs> you know. sure. No, um, luckily they didn't, they didn't really have any brushstrokers at the time. Um, okay. I was, I was going to be their brushstroker. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, there, there really wasn't. So it was actually a pretty easy transition. Cause I didn't, I didn't come in taking someone's spot. Um, so yeah, it was, I, it, I was lucky in that way.
1: Well, and it's so unique. From what I can tell, that it is co-ed, right? So somebody like Cody, such a fun, gregarious, outgoing guy, you're going to be in the lane next to him sometimes. You're not segregated off, you know, women's and men's like that. So was that part of the equation of being like, well, I get to be around this guy every day. <laughs> I'm going to be doing my my own thing in my own lane, but I might as well be around these people who are such a hoot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's part of the great thing with swimming. And we're, I think we're one of the few programs that's still like fully combined, oh, wow. um, which I love. Um, and that was another thing I was looking for a combined program. So um, I, I knew I'd be able to race the guys.
2: Is, now, uh, were you looking for that because you thought that would push you more, that it would give you, give you something, a greater motivation?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I I love to chase people, and I obviously I'm very competitive. I love to race, yeah. um, so I knew eventually like there I would run out of girls to race. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, if I run out of girls, like there's always the men's team. I can always race the men. So because um, I'm obviously never going to catch Cody. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a that was a big factor in, in me deciding to go to IU.
2: Can you tell me? You know. Like Ward said, we started off as a basketball podcast. We've done some football. And it's very easy for us to see, because we've just focused more on that, how a coach can help mold a player whose skills aren't refined, who doesn't really know how to fit into a team, who brings schemes to the to the table that they didn't use before, puts them mm-hmm. in greater positions to be successful. But in swimming, it is, I'm not counting, you know, uh, relays here, but it's an individual sport. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same stroke for the better part of, you know, 15 years now. What is it that, you know, Ray can bring to you that that helps you go from like you said you were second 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 so often what is it that he helped offer to you to get you over the next hump?
0: yeah um you know I think Ray this is gonna sound funny but Ray brings the conflict that I need to swim fast so Mm. if I'm going into a race and like, or even at practice and everything is perfect and everything is going great. I'm like, okay, like, I don't really care. Uh, yeah. He, and we, uh, so Ray kind of brings that conflict that I need to, to swim fast. Um, so he'll, he knows how to push my buttons to get me to swim really fast mm-hmm. and to make me angry and to make me feel like I have that chip on my shoulder when I might not anymore. Um, and he just kind of knows how to get me fired up at practice. And honestly, that's what I need. And, um, I've always said, like, I could never swim for one of those super nice coaches that never yells. Um, you know, I need him, I need him to be on my ass a little bit. And that's what he does. And, um, and I think the thing I know about him is even when I'm so mad at him and think he's being crazy, uh, I know like he would take a bullet for me. (laughs) Like he's saying everything he's saying because he thinks it's going to make me better. So, um, I think, knowing that and knowing how he just gets me fired up and ready to go really, really pushes me to be
1: my best. Well, and then on the sports science type of stuff, I see these things about the the pulley system and the power racks, mm-hmm. you know, w- what what's at the cutting edge of swimming, you know, maybe that you started to have access to there at IU, but even now at the top of your profession, it, is it a constant, like, w- what's a new practice or technique I can bring into Um, the pool that will give me an advantage or is it kind of what it is at this point?
0: Um, It is a little bit what it is at this point, but I mean, we're always experimenting with stuff. So we've, we've recently been trying out some different practices of stuff we've never really done before um, just to see if it works. So, um, you know, It's like, oh, we'll try this. Oh, did you like that? Yeah, I like that a lot. Or, oh, I didn't like that. Usually it's driven by if I swam well, that practice or not. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we're we're always trying to find something new and something, I wouldn't say necessarily cutting edge to let us like cheat our way out of the hard work it, you know, we need,
1: but yeah, no, um, just, just where even like nutrition and stuff like that. And when you say we, I know you have this group of 14 based out of Bloomington, all former IU swimmers now professionals. Do you have individual coaches or how does, how does that work?
0: Yeah. So, um, we just train with college team. So the college coaches are our coaches and awesome. Um, the college team is our team and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty sweet environment.
2: When you go to a professional meet, does the college coach go to that?
0: Typically, yes.
2: That's cool. Um
0: so if they don't have a dual meet or anything or it's not like too much of a hassle to send the coach, then they'll send somebody. Um, but yeah, not all the time, but you know, at this point it's like okay, what you know, what do I really need to meet? Like I just need to go swim my race. Like, I don't right. need too much coaching at that point, so, um, so.
2: Yeah. Let's talk about your freshman year. Obviously, tons of success right off the bat with Indiana but looming is the 2016 Olympics that are going to be that next summer so the swim season is a is a winter you're 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 swimming in the winter right for Indiana Mm -hmm. when you come in how how focused are you on winning Big Ten championships then national championships and how much are you focused on the Olympics that are a few months away
0: did not give two craps about Big Tens I did not (laughs) <laughs> um, I re- I was like I, I'm i here to make the Olympic team and I don't really care the rest of the time it didn't register in my mind that if I'm going to be making the Olympic team like I'm going to be winning Big Tens and I'm going to be winning NCAAs
2: right um, right right
0: yeah but yeah coming in I was like yeah I I guess I'll like try to make the final at NCAAs like that'd be cool uh, meanwhile I'm like sixth in the world like yeah you're going to make the final at, <laughs> <laughs> NCAAs so, Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty much just solely focused on the Olympics. That was, that was it. And yeah, like big tons and NCAAs were exciting and stuff, but it was not like, it was not the main goal that year.
1: And, and so even when you went ahead and won and did so well in the conference (laughs) and nationally, and you saw the joy and excitement around the team and the family, did, did it start to grow your appreciation for that? Or were you still like, yeah, that's nice guys, but London, (laughs) London, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, it did. It's it, conference and NCAAs when you have the Olympics in mind, like, and you've never been to those meets before. I'm like, okay, what's the big, what's the big deal? Like I mm. swam a conference meet in high school. Like that didn't matter. Um, <laughs> but then you know, it's different. It's just something you have to experience. And it, having never experienced it, I didn't really care about it. Um, but when I was there, I was like into it. I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is the best meet ever.
1: <laughs> and, and who were, who are like the, the rival Squad in the conference that you guys really mark on the calendar every year.
0: Oh, Michigan! Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> how did you? How
1: did you let your brother walk on there?
0: I don't know. That's okay, on well, you, Lily. My brother, he's <laughs> he's my new nemesis. And if he's um, a
2: musician, if he's a musician, Indiana's got the best music school in the country.
0: So he want his saxophone teacher from home went to Michigan. So he kind of uh. wanted to. They okay. I will say. Michigan has the best saxophone program like in the country though. Oh,
2: is that right? Like his,
0: his professor has won like six Grammys.
2: Yeah. Let me tell you why, so. Lily, get ready for this and feel free to use it. You know why Michigan's got the best saxophone program in the country? Because they blow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank, oh, yeah. you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Lily, uh, Lily, Lily don't, teachers, everybody. don't, don't encourage him, please. <laughs> Too easy. Okay, so dreaded the dreaded Wolverines. They're so
2: arrogant, right? They're so arrogant at Michigan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Worse.
1: Yep. Uh, And then nationally, anybody out there on the national radar that that you guys get fired up about?
0: Just Michigan.
1: Just Michigan. (laughs) Great. Great. Love it. Yeah. So then, walk us through the calendar.
2: On you, you win national. You win Big Ten championships. You win national championships. You sweep your your events at at the NCAA, your freshman year, when are the Olympic trials for then the summer of 2016?
0: Right, so um, big 10s are middle of February. Um, And then we've got three, three, four weeks till NCAA. So that's like usually spring break week, uh, middle of March. And then Olympic trials are last week in June. So got a couple months. So it
2: it really is, Olympic trials happen right before the Olympics.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I had three days at home to like get my life put together before I left for a month. And then I was gone.
2: So when you went to the trials, did you have a pretty good idea at this point? Like I'm going to make the team unless I DQ a race. Yeah. Oh, I do. Okay. All right. (laughs) So, so you get there. It's really just like a business thing now. Like you get there, you do your thing, you get into the Olympics. Was there any celebratory, feeling when you made the your first olympic team or were you squarely focused on i'm not here to just make the olympic team i am here to win medals
0: yeah um that's an interesting question i mean i like i definitely celebrated like after my race but i knew like i just knew i was going to make it so it wasn't like you see people make the team and it's like the water works and i was like i like hit the wall and i was like don't <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because I feel like I'm traumatized by watching cool runnings growing up where, you know, one of the Jamaican sprinters gets tripped and he's totally unjustifiedly not on the team, but in (laughs) swimming, you know, so, so is it with a DQ, is that something where you have to flub a couple of times where like, what is a DQ exactly? And when is it like lights out? Sorry, you're not going, you're not going to London.
0: Uh, yeah. So really anytime you DQ, it's you're done. Like you're out.
1: There's no, if you had jumped in early in one of your, your heats, you would have been done. Oh yeah. I totally would have choked and just jumped in a second too early. Or, or or I would have been four seconds behind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I, I actually got DQ'd at world championships two summers ago in the prelim for a horrible call
2: you can say bullshit horrible you can call. say bullshit call uh, it bullshit was a bullshit call it was yeah, a bullshit call
0: basically what it this is what i think happened i um i like called out fina which is like our governing body because yep. they were yep. letting a bunch of people swim that had been cheating and i said it was it was bullshit basically um and then they they called me on this turn so you're supposed to touch with your hands simultaneously at the wall two hand touch hands touch simultaneously and my hands went boom boom barely like you couldn't see it with the human eye and they had slowed down the tape so many times that like it had to be in super slow moat for you to see my hands, not touch at the same time. What advantage
2: yeah. What <laughs> advantage is gained by that versus two hands?
0: That is the debate. There is none.
1: What the hell? So, so basically so I
0: got, I got DQ'd for calling them out on,
1: on everything. So, so yeah. w- when we're talking about Fina, are we talking like, a FIFA NCAA, like it's corrupt, old school, like not not above board operation.
0: Oh, beyond corrupt. So when the, this is funny, when the ISL, so our league started, um, which is not associated with FINA, they said, if you swim in the ISL, you will not be allowed to compete in the Olympics. What? Yeah.
1: (laughs) So was that, that challenged and defeated?
0: Yes, thankfully, but okay. like that's the level of corrupt Be- we're, because, we're getting
2: at. because they just want to control everything.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So, win national championships, Olympic trials, make the team. When, in your sphere of thinking about the world, does Yulia Efimova? Is it? Did I pronounce that right?
1: I, I think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I spelled it out for myself phonetically. Yeah. You, Yafimava. Yafimava. What? What you? Say, I I got Yafi Mava. Did Yav- Yav- you call her Yulia? Call her Yulia.
0: He's, I say Yulia.
1: Okay, yeah, Yulia. Usually. When were you aware
2: of her and her story? When did that become on get on your radar?
0: Um. So that was actually quite a few years prior. Um. Okay. So she had been training at USC. They had a pretty large professional group, pretty famous uh group of brushstrokers training there actually, and she had gotten popped on her first drug test while she was training there. So I had kind of just seen the articles. I wasn't really racing at that level quite yet. So I had, I had knowledge of it, but didn't know her. Um, and then I raced her again, December of my freshman year at winter nationals. Okay.
1: Um,
0: and she beat me. So that was the last time I lost a hundred breasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so she beat me and, uh, then after that, I was like, okay, like, you know, whatever, like, she's good. Like, she won Worlds the year before. I was like, okay, she's pretty, pretty legit. Yeah. And then she got popped on her second test for meldonium, um, I think a month or two later.
2: Now, so Meldonium is a steroid?
0: Yeah. So it's a drug used for, um, I believe it's used for patients with heart disease. So like, not an elite swimmer. Okay. Um, yeah. And it had been banned... I think in January and she got popped for it in February, which was the big debate.
2: Uh, got <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Cause it could still be in her system. I'm like, why would you be taking that anyway? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had some, I had some knowledge of her. And at that point, um, and we, at that point we kind of figured out, okay, like I'm probably going to make the team. I'm probably, you know, you're American. You're probably going to be competing for a metal spot. Like that's just how it works. Um, and yeah. And then it was like, well, I guess she's not swimming And then a couple months later, it was like, oh, she's swimming again. Then a month later, oh, she's not swimming. And it kind of went back and forth like that until um, the day before the Olympics started. So the day of opening ceremonies. And
2: what was your mindset there? Did you want her to swim because you're competitive and you wanted to beat her in the pool? Or uh, I see you nodding, so I'll just stop there. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I wanted her to swim. Um, because I told, I told Katie Ledecki as I said, Katie, Katie has no knowledge of how I, I operate at this point. Um, I said, you know, I want to race her because I don't want to win the race. People say, well, if Yulia was there, she probably would have won. Right. Like, I was like, I want to beat her straight up to say like, I'm the best she's like all right well like whatever go for
1: it (laughs) so so by this point it a combination of these these drug reports coming in and the fact that she'd beat you head to head and that she was won at the worlds the year before she's your nemesis going to london
0: oh yeah You
1: you find out you're gonna race her and then are you just sort of consumed like is your only thought i need to beat Yulia."
0: Yeah, pretty much. Going into Rio, by the way, you're aging me. Oh, oh, I'm um, sorry.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know
2: what he was talking about with London, but I was hoping you would just ignore it. So we didn't, and then we would, and then we would dub in Rio.
1: Yes, Rio. Anything after the '84 Olympics in LA, I can't really remember specifics. Well, um, so re- this
2: may put <laughs> you, but Ward and I are a version of Dumb and Dumber. And- <laughs> so when
1: you, you pick which one
2: yeah yeah well we're both it all the time so when one of us says something that the other knows is factually inaccurate while we think it's factually inaccurate we are just dumb enough to then think we're wrong <laughs> and, oh, it, i'm looking at my notes i'm going it was rio right but no no ward says london so it must be london yeah
1: no i, I my brain was stuck on that and and with this whole new realm of, we, we've been lucky in that so many of these basketball guys and the eras cross and, and we've kind uh-huh. of got that drilled into us. And so f- for this interview, we're cramming, we're trying to learn about swimming and all that. So any mistakes we make, please call us out, if nothing else, because it's funny and you'll make us all smarter. So Rio, you show up in Brazil, right? Rio's in Brazil. Yes. I got that part. Right. Okay, good, good. Here we go um and then th- th- do you even like are you able to take in the opening ceremonies and enjoy this and be like wow I'm representing America on you were swimming for the USA right
2: yes. <laughs> okay
1: good 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 just um was, th- was that was that emotional was that meaningful or are you just tunnel vision I'm gonna win this
0: yeah um you know honestly I was I was, I was strangely adapted to the Olympic lifestyle having never been there before. Um, I think, you know, I, I think I like to phrase it as I was just blissfully ignorant. Like I just had no idea what was going on. Like I'd never been to a meet like that before. Like not that any meet is like the Olympics, but like, I'd never been to world championships. I'd never been to a Pampax. Like it was my first, like my first, like big national team was with Michael Phelps at the Olympics and I show up and I'm like. Well, I'm supposed to win my race now like that's cool um <laughs> but yeah like it, it just felt like a swim meet like it didn't obviously it was the olympics and it was it was cool but I didn't quite realize how special it was until it was over um so I just kind of doing- went in and it,
2: were you not doing the trading of pins and getting shirts and stuff that people do? Were you into that stuff or, or is that something that you're looking forward to now the next time? <laughs>
0: Definitely trading pins. I have I actually have so many like really cool pins. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but yeah, like uh, the swimmers don't go to the opening ceremonies typically just because it's like the day, uh, the day before competition. Oh. Um, and it's like a, it's like an eight hour event. A lot of people don't realize that, but it's, you know, you gotta get ready and then you gotta get, All of the athletes to the village or from the village to the stadium, which was I don't know 45 minutes away from the village, Mm. and then you have to stand there for an hour, and then you have to stand for the three hours that the opening ceremony takes, and then you have to stand another hour to get on the bus, and then you have another hour on the bus, and then you have to get back to the village. So, um, for the athletes that are competing the first week, uh, so the swimmers, the gymnasts, we don't go to opening ceremonies, so we just kind of sit in the village and watch on TV. Um,
2: I never realized that. Does that feel cheated? Do you feel cheated there? Like you're just watching it, like we are.
0: <laughs> I mean, a, definitely a little bit, but it's that's that's kind of the professional athlete life. Like you get to go to all these cool places, and all you see is the hotel and the pool. Right, so it's right. it's almost normal at this point. We do get to go to closing ceremonies. Um, I didn't I didn't go in Rio, but we do we do get to go to closing. So maybe next time. All right. Time. <laughs> so
2: you you get there, competition starts, and you know there's lots of heats to qualify for the final and things like that. But walk us through the finger wave controversy. Walk us through what happened, the origin of that. And and I've got some quotes from you from at the time that are just beautiful. But you you go ahead and tell us the story of it.
0: I'm sure my, my teenage quotes are are absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh- <laughs> But yeah, basically I'm probably going to say these word for word because I feel like I've said it so many times. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I I was <laughs> I was watching my semifinal and he like throws up this number one. And I was like, dude, like I haven't even swam yet. What are you talking about? Um, Yeah. And I'm kind of just like joking like at the TV, like, yeah, haha, okay, whatever. Um just wagging my finger like that's not something I'd normally do so it's kind of weird
2: right um
0: and I didn't you know I'm 19 I've never been to a big swimming before I didn't know I was being filmed in the ready room um so there's like a GoPro hiding in the corner of the ready room that looks like a jail cell because nothing was finished in Rio um yeah and they like caught me wagging my finger and then and then NBC's like ah you just wait we're gonna put it in slow-mo oh
1: <laughs> god
2: yeah so yeah
0: so then I like got out of my I swam my semifinal and I beat Yulia because she's Bleh. and <laughs> um and I like throw it up I was like yeah like I won let's go. let's
1: go
0: um and then I yeah and then I got out and walked over for my interview and they're like well what was the finger thing about and there's like a brief like a split second you can see my eyes like go oh no (laughs) they caught me right um and then yeah at that point at that point it was just like well you know what the hell i'll just i'll just kind of go for it and i was like well you know like she's cheating and i don't like that and let's go race tomorrow basically what i said um did you have any words
2: with her directly oh
0: none absolutely none um and yeah, and then, and then for some reason that blew up cause I was like, I don't like racing cheaters. Like you can ask <laughs> any 10 year old in the world if they want to play or race a cheater. And they're like, no, but it, <laughs> it went viral for some reason. Cause I had started the second cold war apparently.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your, insta, your insta blew up by the time you got back to the village, right? Like 35,000 oh. new followers.
0: Yes insane like my phone was like blowing smoke it was
2: nuts
1: yeah so yeah so did you enjoy
2: it though did did was part of you like I know it's overwhelming probably when it's happening but you seem to be the kind of person that revels in it a little bit so were you enjoying that
0: part of it um I don't think I knew how to handle it I think I was enjoying it at the moment um I didn't realize what I what had happened I didn't like realize what I had done and like how it had blown up especially like I got back to the village and I was just eating dinner like you don't really have wi-fi in a foreign country especially in Brazil right and one of my one of my friends like came stomping over and she's like I was like hey (laughs) she's like check your phone I was like what check your phone and then I I saw and I was like samuel l jackson just tweeted at me <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did he tweet what'd he say
0: oh uh, something quite profane i can't quite remember but <laughs> something like back that shit up king Let's yeah. go.
1: <laughs> well yeah, so then yeah. you're over you know now it's time for the finals with Yulia in the pool with you but first you're in the ready room And, and the images of you just staring into the back of her head. I thought I saw smoke coming off the back of her skull. Is that, is that something you're consciously doing to psych yourself up, to psych her out, or are you just kind of blacking out at this point, getting ready to win a gold medal?
0: Um, I was definitely blacking out at that point, but it had a purpose. So I was like kind of blacking out, but I was very intentional with what I was doing um i am i am like a woman possessed in the ready room when i need to be um and it's something i i can just turn on like if i if i really feel that i have to do that i can i can freak people out in the ready room and like the race is over before we get out there and it's pretty it's quite incredible in my opinion like i've never really seen anyone else do that other than maybe michael phelps
2: lily you are mike tyson (laughs) <laughs> no, you are like. I, look, Mike Tyson. I haven't eaten any ears? No, no, you haven't eaten any ears, but, <laughs> but yet,
1: but yet, uh, yeah, yeah you, your career <laughs> is young.
2: Um, he, Mike Tyson, was known for psyching the other person out before the bell rang. The way he would look at them, it was intentional. He knew that he had an aura about him, and he could scare the person. And and as you know, like when you're talking about racing, and and you have world records, and you win gold, and you win consistently, but the margin of difference between winning and losing in swimming is ridiculous. It's faster than a blink of an eye, so if you can gain any advantage at all, right, you do it, and you are Mike Tyson. You're the Mike Tyson
1: of the swimming world. I love it. Well, and and functionally, does that does that tighten up your opponent in terms of like, what, what's, why does that physically translate to the, the pool? Do you think that's it? It just kind of tightens them up so they can't swim quite as fast as they might be able to.
0: I, I personally think swimming is so mental, um, just because uh, just, you know, all around in swimming. We have so much time by ourselves and in silence. So mm. there's so much time to think, and if I've got you thinking I'm gonna get my ass kicked before the race starts, like you're probably gonna be thinking that in the water. Mm. So that, I don't know. It's something I, I figured out I could do at an early age. Like I, I just read body language really well. And like, I can see if we're sitting in the ready room and you're, you've got your head down and you're listening to your music and you're like so closed off, you're probably really nervous. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can just tell, like, it, it, I don't know why, I've always been able to do that, but I, I can tell when someone's nervous and I can tell how they're gonna perform just purely based on their body language in the ready room. And then I use that to my advantage.
2: This is probably a stupid question at this point, but it was, was there even a seed of doubt in your mind that you were gonna win the gold medal? None. Okay, so you're swimming and you get to the end of the race or while you're swimming, are you conscious? I've always curious about this with swimmers. Mm-hmm. Are, there's so much going on. Do you know how far ahead behind? Like, how do you know? You or... peak, don't you? I've seen you peaking I before. <laughs> you do? And that doesn't slow you down?
0: Oh, it probably does, but I do it anyway. <laughs> uh...
2: So walk us through that race. Like, what's in your head? And at what point do you know, I'm going to win the gold medal?
0: Yeah, honestly, like, I don't remember anything about like the first three quarters of that race. Um, I, I, I went out like a banshee. I went out like an idiot. Um, cause why not? Yeah. And, uh, hit the turn ahead. So that was pretty normal. And then, uh, I think, I don't know if I started to die or not. I didn't think I was dying. It looked like I was dying on the video, but I felt fine. Um, and then I think about 15 meters out of the finish. I knew I had it. Like I could see her and I could see that she wasn't gaining on me. Like use a lot of peripherals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, But I, I could tell she wasn't going to catch me. So um, I, I think about 15 meters out, I'm like celebrating in my head
2: already.
1: <laughs> yes. And then you yeah. hit the wall. Well, well, I was just going to say during the race and races in general, uh, it sounds like pacing yourself is a big part of what what you have to train and almost have an internal a barometer of how fast you're going. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you say you went out like a banshee, and maybe that wasn't that smart, when you were preparing mentally getting ready for the race in the heats leading up to it, is that something where like, this is about where I want to be at each leg of the race. And so in this particular case, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm burning a little hot out of the gate, I need to make up for that. Or at that point, is it just going, going, going and not strategizing?
0: Yeah. I'm going to be real. Okay. Well, I'm always like super fast out of the gate. Like that's okay. just kind of how I am naturally. Um, so being ahead off the start is not like, <laughs> it doesn't scare me because that's where mm-hmm. I normally am. Um, but I, I don't think a lot when I race, mm-hmm. um, I kind of just go in and I'm like, oh, yeah, that feels right. I'm just going to go with it. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I am a really, really a go with the flow. Like I don't, I don't think I don't like to do pace before my race. So, like I'll maybe do a start and warm up just to kind of, you know, get the engine burning a little bit. But I, yeah, I'm a, I don't think a lot.
2: (laughs) Wow, well, it has served you well. So when you hit the (laughs) wall for that first one, and you know, do you immediately like look up to make sure like no DQ, nothing weird happened? Like, does that stuff kind of go through to make sure that the gold is real?
0: (laughs) Well, I knew I won um when I touched and then I well and then I always touch and I'll turn my head to see if anyone else has touched right right (laughs) and then I'll look at the clock so then I just look at the clock to see what time I went um but yeah
2: and are you when you're racing obviously you're racing to win and you're racing for gold how important is it to set your own personal best in time uh set world records which you which you have done is that something you think about consciously or is it just about I want to beat everybody in this pool
0: Um, I think about it. I I would say, I think about that more at practice. Like, yeah, I would love to set a world record every time I hit the pool, but that's not going to happen. Um, but what can happen is I can win this race. I can beat this person. So, um, you know, if I'm feeling good, I'll be like, maybe, maybe I'll set a world record today. Who knows? Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: but it's not something I, I think about, I would say, I think about winning the race a lot more than going a certain time.
1: Got it. so so let's revel a little bit in this first taste of gold you know besides the moments afterwards you know you get out of the pool teammates coaches family all the way up to when you're on the pedestal and they raise the american flag take us through the the emotions you're feeling going through all that it was like
0: just a whirlwind like i I wasn't as, I don't know. I wasn't as emotional as I thought I would be. It was kind of like with trials. Like I just knew, like it was already in my head that I, I like I had won the race before I got to the pool.
1: Wow.
0: So um, I wasn't, I was like obviously very excited, but it wasn't, I wasn't like overwhelmed at all. Um, yeah, I feel I just, like, I, like you're,
2: I feel like you're the kind of person who revels more in the fact that you beat Yulia than getting a gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You are my favorite athlete of all time. I mean, you you look, one of the quotes that I had from you which I love is and again, you were 19 at the time. So let's also uh-huh. let's also take into account the fact that look, you're not old now. You're 23, but <laughs> when you're 19 and it's your first taste. I mean, look, when I was 19, yeah. I was as stupid as could be. So it's like and I haven't progressed that much since, but <laughs> you just, it's, I think it's harder for a young person to take in the weight of what's happening right, around them. Right. But you said, uh, people probably think I'm serving it up a little bit, but that's just, that is just how I am. That's just my personality. I'm not this sweet little girl. That's just not who I am. <laughs> and, and I love the confidence. Look, your parents deserve a ton of credit here because they clearly <laughs> raised a super confident, you know, young woman with incredible self-esteem who doesn't give a shit about the world around her. She's just got her mind to something and she's gonna go do it in the hell with you if you don't like how she does it. So, which by the way, is what makes you an American hero because <laughs> it is, I mean, we love that spirit and we don't see it enough, especially in the Olympics when mm-hmm. just to go on a little diatribe here for a second. Look, we all know that gymnastics is a big thing in, in the summer Olympics and that the gymnastics team especially the female gymnastics team is put up as like this is the biggest thing of the event. And they're robots. I mean, they have historically been robots. And look, there's a lot of bullshit behind the scenes that is horrific when it comes to that. I'm, I'm hoping none of that exists in the U.S. swimming world.
0: Not to my knowledge. <laughs> Good,
2: but, but they are robots. They, they have been trained to be robots. They have very little personality that we ever get to see. And so when someone like you comes along as an American, it's like, that is what Americans are. We're brash, we're outspoken. And for us to shut that all down when it comes to the Olympics just seems wrong. So it's why I think you've hit such a touch point with so many people because you're willing to just be yourself. And and I love it.
0: Well, thanks. I mean, you know, it's so much easier to just be honest and speak your mind <laughs> than to hold back like, oh, I'm gonna hold back all these little lies that I thought about. Like. I'm not going to get out of the, if I had a bad race, I'm not going to get out of the pool and say, Oh, well, I'm, I'm happy with it. Like, that's not how that's no, you're not like, don't right. lie. You're not happy with it.
1: Totally. Um, well, you know, and, and, and maybe <laughs> totally. want, want to speak a little bit to a double standard that has long existed for cocky, confident male athletes, as opposed to female and how you and the likes of the women's soccer team now are helping mm-hmm. change that. What, what, you know, Good to point. you, I think that's just more a natural outgrowth of who you are, mm-hmm. but do you feel like we're entering into an era where female athletes are just going to be much more inclined to speak their mind and not be an outlier like you are?
0: Right. I think we're definitely heading in that direction. Thank the Lord. Yeah. I was like the redheaded stepchild in 2016, like, oh my God, she has opinions. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I was called some horrible horrible things. Like there was a mm. I, there was an article. I don't it I don't know what it was on. It was definitely from an American news outlet though that was like Lily King is ruining the spirit of the Olympics and I was like, "Really for calling out someone who shouldn't even be here in the first place?" Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's refreshing. Like, I'm sorry you're a competitor. Like you're an athlete. Like your job is to compete. Like don't act like you're not competitive. Like right. let's not pretend. I know what's going through your head. Like you don't have to hide it. It's okay. <laughs> it's not a big deal.
1: Somebody needs to make the Michael Jordan meme, but with Lily. And I took that personally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, we're going to, we're going to tweet that out before this episode goes out. We will, we will come up with the Lily King version of that. <laughs> um, so
2: I want to ask though. So you win gold individually and then you win gold as part of a relay team. Now I always thought like in an individual sport from afar, like swimming is that when you do get a chance to be on a relay team and win gold as a team that has to be incredibly special because you get to celebrate it genuinely with three other people what was that moment like for you and how did it differ from winning it individually
0: yeah it was it was very different it's one like you go into those relays and it's one of the great things about being American is like we know we're gonna win the medley relay. <laughs> like that's just <laughs> how it happens. Um so yeah, it was just it was really cool. It was a very interesting group of people. Um so Kathleen Baker, myself, um, and Simone, Manuel, we're all like the same age and we're like it's our first Olympics and we're almost done, and then Dana Ballmer. Um, it's her third Olympics, like she has a child, and then she's like looking after the three of us, <laughs> like trying to get us to the ready room. Um, like basically strolls us down to the ready room. Uh, <laughs> one of you is in a baby um,
2: bjorn in the front. Yeah, pretty
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it was just cool. It was you know, it again, it's so much more fun like with a group of people. Like it's yeah. just it's just different. It's like um you know, you're just you're just by yourself, but it's your individual race. But it's it's just a lot more fun when it's with a group. And um, it was actually the thousandth gold medal won for the U.S. ever, so wow. it was like just a really lucky like pick of the draw that we got. We were the thousandth gold medal, so um, that's, that's one awesome. of my fun facts. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. I'm a little curious about how you do practice for that though because you're all coming from different places around the country and then mm-hmm. after the trials it's like okay it's you four probably with a couple alternates mm-hmm. so uh, how do you squeeze in time to even just do, do you, you need to practice with different individuals or is it like what you do is the exact same and you just have to wait for the person ahead of you to touch the wall
0: yeah um, it is a bit different with different swimmers so we'll practice relay starts like Eh, three maybe four times it's not really a big deal we'll like get out of practice for 10 minutes and do it it's like it's really not that big of an issue um especially if you're familiar with like doing a relay start um but yeah so like for so like i'll go off the backstroker and it just depends on what backstroker i have if they have like a super high tempo so kathleen the girl i went off of and rio is like boom 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 like super fast takes all these strokes but um Olivia Smoliga, who I go off of during the ISL season is like, like six to like super long, like takes maybe like two strokes into the wall and I'm like, whoa, like, going to go
1: <laughs> off
2: my
0: relay start. Um, so yeah, it just, it depends on the individual, but it's pretty easy to adjust.
2: So closing ceremonies, you, you didn't go to those. Mm-hmm. Um, you come back now, <laughs> you won gold twice. You're the best in the world. At what point do you start going, I got to go back to school now? Like, are you excited to go back to Bloomington? Or are you like, maybe it's time, like you talked about the idea of maybe going pro. What mm-hmm. What brought you back to Bloomington instead of just going?
0: Well, class started. So that was one thing. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even go home, home, home after Rio. I just came straight to Bloomington. Wow. Um, and yeah, I had like, four or five days and then class started. So yeah, I just like kind of went back to normal.
2: Okay, but Uh, wait, 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 wait. normal, no way.
1: Well, when you walk into one of those classes, what kind of reception do you get?
0: (sighs) Okay, I was really lucky because, okay, so I majored in PE and we had a super small major. Like there were 12 of us total, I think, across all four years. Okay. So like I was in most, most of my classes were really small and with the same people I had classes with the year before. Um, so that was pretty lucky. Um, but yeah, no, I remember the first day, like I had just moved into an apartment, like I'm very 19, like imagine how dumb you were at 19. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go park my car and get on the bus, like all of the normal people on campus and then go to my class, like all of the other people on campus. Then I was like, wait, everybody in the bus just saw me on tv for like a week straight so then I like had this disguise I'm like wearing hat hoodie and like <laughs> getting on bus and like
2: hoping I won't be seen <laughs> that's great by the way yeah. what first of all what dorm were you in your freshman year teeter teeter all right good yeah. good good food court at teeter
0: yes and right
2: yes right, right, right. Quad. yeah, yeah. Right sure. quad. and then what apartment were you living in your sophomore year
0: I was at Who's Your Courts? Yes.
2: yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was at varsity villas and uh, there was a Walnut Knolls, which doesn't exist, uh-huh. I don't think, anymore. Yeah, I never talking about that. Varsity Villas was my thing. Uh, but who's your court? <laughs> Had a lot of friends at Who's Your Court of Arts. Who's your
0: court? <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. So you're back in school. So was it, you're just like right back into the flow? Do, was any of you like just depressed that you go from this high to just you're now in PE 201 at, at, at taking a class at Ballantyne?
0: Yeah, uh, I was. I was not. Well, you know, when I got back, like the first month or so, I was fine. And then we started swimming dual meets again, <laughs> and I had swam the Olympics. And then my next meet was a dual meet against Cincinnati. <laughs> so I was like. What am I doing here? I was like, why am I swimming? And they're like, just swim the meet. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, I, I don't want to be here. They're like, well, I don't care. Like, you have to swim the meet. Um but yeah, I just like I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to swim. I didn't want to swim uh t- against Cincinnati. And then our next dual meet was against Texas where we got our asses handed to us. Ooh. Cause I had just been playing kickball in my class for an hour. <laughs> and walked to the dual meet at the pool. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I think the dual meets really got to me
2: for sure. And then how did you flip the switch to, to just kind of settle into your life now back in Bloomington? Like, did, was there a moment where it just kind of clicked? Like, were you like, look, I'm going to just appreciate being here with these people and this place and embrace it? Or was it always a struggle the next two and a half years?
0: Um, it was, it was definitely not, I wouldn't say it was a struggle. It was, it was hard adjusting to like what normal life was after Rio. So like I, I would have, I don't know, I probably had three or four interviews a week up until December. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was driving home on the weekends cause I would have to do an appearance here and appearance there. And then I'd have to meet with compliance who would tell me why I couldn't do my appearance or sign autographs for oh. children in my hometown. Really? Or, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, wait a minute, they're wait they're a minute, because
2: this is this is something we talk about a lot. IU compliance told you you could not sign autographs for children in your hometown.
0: So basically, I um, they had an event for me right after the Olympics. I came home. Um, I threw out the first pitch at a baseball game. Yes, and I was gonna I was gonna sign autographs after. Not a big deal. What's wow. what's the harm in that? Shouldn't be anything against NCAA rules, right? No. But yeah, they sent a compliance officer with me to make sure, like, no autograph hounds would be selling my autographs oh on my eBay. God. I'm like, guys, come on, like,
2: that's yeah. nuts.
1: It that's was wild. Really yeah, yeah. I I want to bring up the subject of fan appreciation for <laughs> really the whole swimming program, and we could have this as swimming and diving. We could have the conversation with with the soccer program too. When. When you come back to Bloomington as an Olympic gold medal winner, I was like, there should be a ticker tape parade. You, you, <laughs> you that there should be an escort from the airport all the way into town, and then a mob of people just celebrating. You know, not only your individual accomplishment or or what it means to IU and the pride we have, but even the entire country. But you're still you're still in a campus where a 1987 championship banner hanging in assembly hall is talked about a lot more day to day. Is there some like resentment there that the IU fan base doesn't make more noise? Because I think anybody who watched the Rio Olympics was tremendously proud of you being a Hoosier, but there's still not just the same kind of public outpouring of, of, of congratulations and celebration. You know, no, I don't know if anybody jumped Mm -hmm. into show Walter Fountain when you won a gold medal, Mm -hmm. but there should have been thousands. How do you guys deal with that inside uh, inside the swimming pool?
0: Yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, that's just kind of the Olympic sport life. Like that's just kind of how we are. Um, and it's something like we have to deal with, like, I'm a big deal once every four years and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult just in, for me, my competitiveness, like in terms of like, for example, I'm not going to name the athlete, but I was being me and another athlete were like being compared as the greatest athletes I had ever seen. me and another basketball player. And I was like, don't even com- start comparing me to that person. Cause you don't. You, like you have no concept of what the olympics are and like what i just did relative to what that person has done playing basketball like let's not even begin to compare because mm-hmm. i was like i am the greatest of all time in my best event
2: <laughs> yeah and,
0: yes. and you are not, <laughs> You're not. You're just not.
2: <laughs> right so but you are.
0: I think, I think it's the comparisons that get me the
2: most. Yeah, the mm-hmm. comparisons aren't fair. Um, does to 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 just piggyback on that? Were endorsement things? How, how does that work? Because is that against NCAA compliance at that point? If you you oh, yeah. get endorsement, right? Yeah. So and and were you getting phone calls from people who were trying to get in their hooks in you in that, and that you had to say no?
0: Um, I honestly, I wouldn't say I was like really getting. Contacted about that stuff my parents might have been right um but i you know you can't i don't know if you can now with the new rules but i couldn't have an agent at that point so that would normally be something like a company would contact an agent about but i didn't i didn't really have that much to deal with or compliance just like
2: do you just skipping ahead a little bit as the rio i'm sorry as the 2020 olympics were uh, imminent before
1: the rug got mm-hmm. pulled out. Th- those are the ones that were supposed to be in Beijing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Moscow, I think. Oh, um, right. So- oh,
2: I'm
0: not allowed to go then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you better not go. You may not come back. Yeah. Um, I know. <laughs> um, as those were coming up were, I would imagine, like you said, you're popular once every four years. You were You were set to be a star of the Olympics again do phone calls start then are agents calling you at that point like to get ahead of it uh you know to 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 it.
0: yeah so basically like at least last year like the big olympic sponsors would start i don't know they'd check out like who was who did well at world championships or who's the darling of the world championships you know looking for the the cute little girl that's not me um (laughs) but yeah i would say it starts around that point and then um actually in November of 2019 we did like a huge um, photo shoot video shoot out in in LA um, that was supposed to be like the promo shoot for the Olympics. Mm. So when you see all of the similar things on on NBC like I think with Rio they were all like dancing or doing something with the Samba dancers yeah. um, that would be that was like that photo shoot so we, we did that already um, and, and a lot of sponsors and stuff kind of come to are that they gonna foot. keep
2: that for? This coming year, or are they gonna do another one with you?
0: I I think they're gonna keep that one. <laughs> they're just
2: gonna surgical, they're just gonna put in masks in in
1: CGI. You all have probably, to probably
0: that's probably what they're gonna
1: do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted to just take a, a step back to that decision again to to be just another normal student at IU. When you're speaking of now into your professional career you're still at IU, you still got the Mm -hmm. same coaches, you still have all these people around you. What, what was the, the deciding criteria of you're like, yeah, I do want to take these PE classes, uh, because I, I, I still want to have the, the, the conference and NCAA competition, Mm -hmm. maybe now, even if it's, if it's lesser, most of the time, it's better than what I would be doing in between professional meets.
0: Mm -hmm. I think, um, there were two main factors in my decision to keep swimming for IU. Um, the first one being that I signed to swim for four years. Like I signed on for four years. And if I had bailed, like, I don't think I ever would have lived that down. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have, I would have like truly felt horrible about that for a really long time. Mm. Um, and then the second reason being, I never would have graduated if I had turned pro. I never would have gone back to school. Um, I would not have a degree and you need a college degree. <laughs> like, <it's> just, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's just something that's good to have in today's society. <laughs> and I, I would never have graduated if I didn't go back.
2: So your iU career continues you know with much more success uh, you, your freshman year was a springboard. You go to the two thousand and seventeen FINA World Championships where you win titles your junior year you know more of the same. It really is when you read through it it's just like same championship every year. I mean, you almost made winning championships boring that's the <laughs> truth like that's how good you were uh, two thousand eighteen champion national championships win again. I I did read, though, that the Pan Pacific Games were important to you. Is is that wrong? Uh, (laughs) I think I read something that, like, did the Pan Pacific Games happen right after the national championships?
0: Yeah. So Pan Pax is a really weird meet. So um, they can take up to three people in each event, um, which is we usually only take two. So it's a bigger team than normal. which is weird. And then you can only, um, put two Americans in the final. So even if you have oh, okay. three people swimming it, you can only put two in the final. But if you all, if you make the meet in one event, you can enter any event at the meet that you want. So for example, um, I passed out of heat exhaustion the day before the 200 breaststroke final at nationals, <laughs> and didn't qualify. I was fifth. Um, oh God. so then luckily I made the team in the hundred a couple of days later, so I could ah. race the 200 breaststroke at Canpacks which then qualified me for world championships the next summer. So that was probably why it was important at the time. Got it.
2: You look back um, on it now though and you don't really give a shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a,
0: it's a weird meet like like it's like us and Canada and Japan and that's about all the countries that matter
2: that are at Got it. Yeah. So you ultimately get to your senior year in Indiana where you've had a hell of a run mm-hmm. and there's some history to be made here at the end of your your collegiate career, being the first person to sweep these events, you know, mm-hmm. eight times. Are you, when you get to the national championships, I'm assuming because I'm getting to know you a little bit here that you probably knew you were gonna win those events, but were <laughs> yeah, you taking yeah. some extra satisfaction in, at this point you are now 22 years old and you can kind of look back and go, this is a nice cherry to put on top of my collegiate career.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that was that's that's actually the the right way to put it because i you know i got in there and it was like all right around the fourth year like i'm gonna win both my races like <laughs> okay we know what's gonna happen um but i think at some point i i realized i was like this is real this is really cool like this is like no one's done it before <laughs> um it was just it was just something cool i was like there 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 are only so many people who are in the history books that have won even one event all four years right um and I was like, I was just really proud of myself for kind of just like sticking with it and, and you know, not going pro and, and staying true to my word. And um, it was really cool because it wasn't easy. I mean, I won the 100 pretty easy all four years, but the 200 was a really tight race for three of those four years. So um, yeah, it was just, it was kind of like a don't mess this up moment, but it was also really, really cool.
1: I, I want to ask about, as you are the, the female goat swimmer, from IU uh obviously the male goat swimmer Mark Spitz besides dating Eric's mom um he's he's this this legend not just of IU swimming but of United States Olympics lore Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if at any point your paths crossed if if there's any kind of connection there there's any inspiration you get if moving forward you want to end up getting more gold medals than Mark (laughs) how's how is that for you as a as a relationship or an inspiration
0: yeah um Mark's an interesting guy he doesn't I don't want to call him out, but he doesn't really want much to do with the swimming world <laughs> anymore. Mm. Um, I did, I did meet him. He was in Rio. I did get to meet him. Um, and I was like, I went to IU. And he's like, okay.
1: <laughs> oh, <man.
0: laughs> um,
1: Take him uh, off we, the list, Eric. Take him
2: off the list. Yeah, Jesus. I guess my mom really burned him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she must have. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's still, he's still a legend. Like there's still, you know, no matter the, amount of awkward conversations we have had he is still there's (laughs) nothing that can like take away what he has done like that's pretty incredible and um knowing that like i'm i kind of feel like i restarted those olympic traditions at iu um is is cool like i'm i feel like the group that we have now is like the second generation of of that unbelievable group in the 70s um so so that's pretty neat to figure out
1: yeah it sounds like he might offer a little bit of a of a motivation in that. Okay, okay, Mark, I get it. I get it. You're doing your own thing now, but now I'm I'm gonna go get you because you got you got some Olympics to come, right? Like it's a lot of medals. <laughs> like, well, because he, I mean, he mostly got them all in one mm-hmm. one Olympics, if not all of them. I think he got all of them just in one. So for you, when you're looking at your career marking his legacy aside, what, what is your life expectancy in the Olympic realm? Like how many more do you think? And look, we were talking before we, we got on with you, you know, Tom Brady's still chucking footballs at 43. Mm -hmm. Hate to see it. He's a Michigan guy. Hate to see (laughs) it. But how, how much longer do you want to do this?
0: I don't know. Um, You know, for a long time I was saying like, I'm like i'm done in 2024 like that's it i'm i'm out um but i don't think that's the case anymore um you know i think uh, especially like with with the isl being a new thing hopefully it continues um i think that's bringing a lot of a lot more opportunities for being a professional swimmer where it's actually feasible to like have a living um where before like if you weren't an olympic medalist like you probably had to get a second job um so yeah, I don't know, um, defi- definitely through 2024, 2028, I'll be kind of old at that point, so um, oh, we'll see. L- Lily, but... Lily,
2: ease up, ease up. In 2028, <laughs> you're gonna be 31, okay? Yeah,
0: How you <laughs> have any 31 year old swimmers, have you seen?
2: Yeah, all right, but Ward and I are more than <laughs> a decade older than that now. So, but towards question, what, forgetting you know, your, how many you can do, What is out there that you want to accomplish? Like, is there is there another world record? Do you want to beat your own world record? Is there a number of medals that you want to achieve? Is there another event you want to win the gold in? Like, what what is the the driving force now?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, there's obviously, you know, you can create things to to be your goals. I think, Uh, especially like in terms of like my NCAA career. My freshman year, I did it all. Like I, I won both races, and I set the American record in both, and I went under a barrier in both. Like I was the first one to break fifty-seven, yeah. um, and then I was the first one to break two two hundred four, as a freshman. Yeah. So I, at that point, it was really like a what's next? It, you know, luckily, not luckily, but in long course in terms of like Olympic swimming, um, you know, I still, I still haven't broken the world record in the two hundred breaststroke. I haven't won a gold medal in that event. Um, so that's kind of, I would say what is driving me now. Um, but you know, once I do get those records, like there's always something, there's always something else. Um, Cause I already I, went through that with NCAA. Like there's always another barrier that can be broken.
2: And your competitive spirit clearly is just not going to go out. It's like, it was yeah. part of who you are. I was told to ask you this question. I want to make sure I get the terminology right. Uh, Ward can cut out my pausing. Uh, here. Nope, <laughs> not gonna if, do no, it.
1: If I'm uh, leaving in London, I'm leaving oh, in your leaving in
2: <laughs> Okay, do you take your time getting to the blocks?
0: Did Aaron Opel ask you to? No, not <laughs> Aaron.
2: Not Aaron. Although we shout out to Aaron for helping us connect we got,
0: here. I, Aaron told me I had to give him a shout out, so shout out to Aaron. He was shout my, out to Aaron. My club coach, awesome guy. Um, Great guy. Got it in there. All right. <laughs> oh, I take my time getting on the blocks.
2: Okay. Now what is that about? Why? What is what is the origin of that and the reason for it?
0: <laughs> I like to make people wait for me.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that part of the psych out? Oh yeah. Yeah. And they wait for me. Yes. I've had <laughs>
0: moments where, where people will try to like outweight me and I'll look out and I'm like, get up. Like, I'm not getting up. <laughs> i've got called for it oh my god i've been i've gotten called for it at me so like lily needs to get on the block and i'm like i'm not getting up until they're up
1: (laughs) you gotta tell them i'm not getting up is that something you had to earn and as your reputation increased they they were more tolerant of that yeah yeah oh yeah
0: yeah definitely
1: um do you remember
2: a time when like when you were young did you try doing that and weren't allowed to
0: Um, I don't, I don't think I did it when I was young. I don't know when, I think it actually started kind of after the Olympics. Um, so I was like, okay, you got to give me this respect. Like I'm the gold medalist, get on the block.
2: (laughs) God, I mean, you are the best. (laughs) You you are the best.
1: Now Um, you, you do have this. It could be, I think it's an advantage that, you know, your, your first career already has been wildly successful, has a nice long stretch to go. Do you ever think to what happens once you're, you're out of the pool? Do you already have goals, ideas, dreams in mind for what comes next?
0: Honestly, I've got no clue. <laughs>
1: <Cool>. <laughs> I think that's great.
0: Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I would like to stay involved with the swimming world, you know, um, in some aspect. I don't know how I would do that. Um, I mean, I have lots of options, obviously, but I don't know what route I would take, whether that's coaching or, you know, mentoring or doing something like that. Um, I I did graduate with my degree in PE and I, I student taught for a year in town here and uh, absolutely loved it. Um, so mm-hmm. if I don't want to go the swimming route, I could absolutely fall. I don't say fall back, but I could absolutely like teach PE because it was one of the most hectic but fun years of my life. Um but yeah I mean I don't I don't know I don't think about the future too much and other than swimming. Like I've got I've got a while where I'm still gonna be swimming. So I'll worry about that when I get there.
2: I was gonna say although I'm sure you haven't contemplated this does it ever enter your mind of like what about being the coach for like an Indiana swim team or 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 any big school like that?
0: Yeah, I thought about it. I don't think I would want to coach collegiately. Okay. Um I think I'd be good at it, but I don't really want to coach collegiately. <laughs> uh, waking up at 5 AM for the rest of my life is, is a lot to think about.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's closer to my bedtime.
2: Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's assume that the vaccine comes and gets widely distributed, OK? And mm-hmm. let's, let's assume that when you get closer to the Olympics, which are in August, right, mm-hmm. um, that things get back to some kind of normal. Are there, what is the calendar leading up to, for you, these these next Olympics?
0: Um, I have a couple of pro swim meets here in the next couple months, I think. Uh, <laughs> depending on COVID, we'll see. Right. And then Olympic trials in June and then to the Olympics and that's it. So, that's it.
2: yeah.
0: That's and your pro got.
2: team, does your pro team travel if COVID isn't an issue? Like, do you come to LA and do a meet? Does that happen ever?
0: Um, I mean yeah, it just depends on where the meat is. So um so yeah, so like our pro group, we're for the most well, most of us are American, so the Americans are allowed to travel to this meet, but they're not allowing foreigners to swim So um, we'll have to leave a couple at home. But um, where is
2: that yeah, meet? Where is that? In meet? San
0: Antonio. It's oh, it it's is. um yeah, it's in a couple weeks.
2: Got it. I mean, if there is an LA meet, we're gonna to have to like go to the website because I wanna to come to a meet and root you on and talk <laughs> trash to people who are rooting against you. Cause I feel like since you talk trash, I am now licensed to talk trash for you <laughs> as your surrogate.
0: Absolutely. We usually, if we're in LA, it's in Irvine.
1: Okay, cool. If we're
0: yeah, in that area. My brother
2: yeah. lives down
1: there. Well, okay, I, cool. I'd like to see, because I'm sure there are some professional meets in Indianapolis. Does Indiana, does IU hold some as well?
0: Uh, we've, we've had a couple, but usually they're at, they're in Indianapolis at the Nat.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, look, Lily, I, you, I have one more question. One more? Okay. go Yes. For it. <laughs> You've now got to travel the world. Um, and you know, being from Evansville living in Bloomington and after seeing all these great cities, maybe it was a lot of hotels and swimming pools, mm-hmm. but even at, at the, the age you are, can you appreciate that Bloomington is the greatest city in the world?
0: Absolutely. You know, I, whenever I leave, I'm like, okay, this is fine. And then I come back home and like, everything is right. And I'm like, all right, this is like, this is home. This is where I'm supposed to be. So, um, 100% greatest place in the world right here in Bloomington. And, uh, yeah, it's always it's always good to come home. That's how I like to put it.
2: <laughs> Where, by the way, if you're not getting Neighbors Cream and Crimson Pizza, what's your favorite restaurant in Bloomington?
0: Ooh, um, I eat I eat Bloomington Bagel Company probably four days a week.
2: Yes, great, great. bagel sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. I was eating that. Oh, yeah. and that was my lunch every day for a while. <laughs> I love a Bloomington bagel sandwich.
0: I've got my Bloomington bagel shirt on under this hoodie. So nice. <laughs> by the way,
2: by the way, that hoodie is that's some good swag. That and is some some good, good stuff, right? That is yeah. some good that's swag. Some good stuff. <laughs> um, uh, least
1: favorite class you took in Bloomington?
0: Physiology.
1: <laughs> sure, hundred percent. That's it. <laughs> well, and and now that you've been a, of age for a little while, is there a drinking establishment you like to go out to?
0: Um, well, pre-COVID, I would usually Brothers is kind of my place. Mm-hmm. That's that's like right in the middle. Like it depends on what the mood is for the night, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, are you a Knicks person at all? Have you adopted Knicks in your in your older age now?
0: I I went to Knicks last night, so yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice, I like it. That's why we had to start this later in the day. That's why we. That's- <laughs> all right, Lily. Look, you've given us so much time. You are the goat. It is empirical. It is not qualitative. It is quantitative. You you make Hoosiers so freaking proud. You really do. We take such incredible pride in your accomplishments. And we want to sing your praises more than once every four years. Because <laughs> what you've done is is astonishing. And, and it's something that Ward tells his daughter about, I tell my kids about, and your name is going to be synonymous with excellence in, in the sport forever. I mean that's the legacy you left, and I'm just so happy to to meet you and and talk to you, and uh, just couldn't be happier for you, and cannot wait to watch the Olympic trials to root like hell for you.
0: <laughs> well, thanks. This was fun. I had fun. It was it was a quick. It, it wasn't quick, but it seemed quick. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. No one ever says, no one ever says our interviews are quick. <laughs> yeah.
1: no, nobody, nobody's ever like, wait, y- you don't have any more questions for me. We we'll usually ride it out till there's a yawn or a couple checkings of the watch and then oh, wrap wait. it up. Ward. Uh-oh, see, this is how it works. Yeah, this is <laughs> going to go for another Lily, 15 minutes.
2: We announced a while back that I am running for trustee at Indiana. Okay. Yeah, because I... Because I like to get in and mix it up. <laughs> Will you endorse my candidacy for trustee of Indiana University?
0: Oh yeah, I'll go for it. Boom! <laughs> gold medal, baby! <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think she.
1: I think Lily should uh, accuse the other uh, people running against you of doping. <laughs> Wait. Oh, can we see the gold medals? Oh, oh yeah! yeah.
0: Okay,
2: okay.
1: Great. I'll be back.
0: You guys are lucky. I knew where they were. I've lost oh, them so oh. many times. What do you mean
2: you've lost them so many times? <laughs> look at that. You uh, see how
0: dinged up it is.
2: Oh my god! What? Why is it so dinged up?
0: Because they clank against each other, and I take them everywhere.
1: <laughs> I mean, you go, just don't there, care. Look, there's look. no pa- There's no padding in a, CFS, a CVS bag.
0: <laughs> I know, and I take the I take them to so many like school events that you know, they just get passed around. And my mom's like, do you want to get them recoded? And I was like, nah, I'm like, it's not the same metal. Like this is, this is my metal. We'll let's see. also,
2: <laughs> I didn't get into this, but let's also not, I mean, it's crazy that your name is King.
0: Isn't it? Okay, even crazier, my dad's mother. So yeah, my grandmother, mm-hmm. her maiden name was Noble. What? So if they had hyphenated it. My last name would have been Noble King. <laughs>
1: Oh my God! You got to just what'd start we, marketing that. What do right. we say? Royalty. This is who's your royalty. We are. I here know. With. You are the best.
2: Thank you so much for your time. Good luck in everything, and we are huge, huge fans of yours.
0: Cool. Thanks, guys. I
2: mean, she's so badass,
1: but 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 not at the cost of being super fun. No, super badass fun. people are fun. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. In terms of just the persona she got because of staring this person down and calling them out for doping, it's, it, it doesn't, it, it's not like she carries this, this brooding fire around right, with her right. and wants to like, you know, just scare everybody she's talking with. Like, that's, that's just a good time hanging out with Lily King.
2: Totally. You know, it, it reminds me to go on a quick detour. Our old acting teacher... Howard Jensen.
1: Rest his soul.
2: Rest his soul. I remember once he was talking in an acting class about like the best actors in the world, you know, the best actors that are working in movies. And people were just in the class throwing out names. What about this? What about this? And he's like, he's like, you guys are just throwing out really good actors. He goes, there's a difference. He's like, there's great actors that like can disappear into a character, you know and they're amazing. And Clearly there's a role for them and they're incredible but then there are bonafide superstars. And he started to name like De Niro and Pacino and you know, like the, 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 just the, the stars, Nicholson. And he's like, the difference is that while they're doing their craft and they're committed to it, they're also letting you know how much they love doing it. Mm-hmm. There's like a little bit of a spark to it, that separates it, right? And that's who she is. It's like, yeah, she's staring the person down. She's not gonna get on the blocks until you get your ass up there because she knows it is a bit of a performance. It is a bit of, let's have fun with this stuff. And she owns it in a way that you, as a fan, desperately want people to own it, right? It's like, she's phenomenal.
1: It's the authenticity, which is what, oh, and for a great actor or for a great athlete, it's what draws you to them. It's there's anybody who's great and does something in this amount of time is like, wow, that's very impressive, but you're not necessarily invested with them personally. With Lily, I think we all would have invested in her just because she's an Indiana Hoosier. But then when you, you bring in her persona, and you're like, well, I am, I am all on board with this athlete and this person. And I'm a super fan now because of all of those things.
2: And by the way, I mean, she should have been a star no matter what era she's in. But in the era that we are in now. In the, in the wake of you know, a female empowerment era that has happened in this country, she should be on Wheaties boxes. Like she should, she should have multimillion dollar endorsement deals and they should be putting her up as the star of the next Olympics because she is not afraid to speak her mind. I meant what I said about those gymnasts. Like I used to have them on talk shows. You know, they would always be pitched to me. And I, after like I got one or two of them on, I'm like, I don't want any more of these people on the show. They're
1: not- Media media They're- trained to death. Yeah, Yes. I do wonder when you talk about her being on Wheaties Boxes, because when she was talking about coming back from Rio and just being a regular IU student again, it did seem crazy to me that it was that, that much of a drop off and she was doing interviews and appearances and stuff like that. So it's not like people forgot who she was. But I wonder if society has come far enough that that outspokenness has prevented anybody from wanting to get involved. Now, she did continue her NCAA career. So clearly, that had to factor into it of attracting sponsorships or anybody else who would want her to be the face or voice of what they're doing. But I... I hope we get to see some more of that personality in Tokyo. And when she's coming back unencumbered by NCAA compliance, I really do hope that she can become more of a national figure year round because not only because she rep- represents the university so well and the country so well but i want my daughter to be constantly yes. reminded of her because i, I th- like look i could tell my daughter 15 20 different amazing facts about most of the guests we've had and all she knows is that it means a lot to dad but when i told her last night who was on the show today her eyes lit up she was she was into it and she she wants to know how this interview went And I will be delighted to tell her about it because you said, Lily's everything you would want to have in an athlete. And I'm sorry to say, but I'm at the age now where I'm like, well, Lily is everything, you know, I would like my daughter to look up to.
2: Yeah, I'm 100% with you. 100%. I do think, look, the Olympics were four years ago that she was in. The world's changed in the last four years.
1: You know, I mean
2: the world is in a different place, especially when it comes to how we view male female relationships and 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 roles and gender roles and things like that. And I would hope that the world will well look, it's very it's very simple. I would hope that the NBC executives who are determining and the producers who to profile and who to feature and who to make a big deal out of put a big red circle around Lily King and say, we don't need to make a star. We have a star here. Now let's just show the world and show the fans and show the viewers because there is something magnetic about that personality. And she backs it up with just winning over and over and over again. I'm telling you, the t-shirt should be, I made winning boring. I mean, that's (laughs) she lily king made winning boring but what is let's say
1: routine
2: yeah i know but boring is more funny to say
1: i i i yeah but i i don't i don't think it's accurate okay it made
2: winning routine is fine it made winning unsurprising i mean (laughs)
1: like i'm not sure there's a
2: t-shirt here there's a good t-shirt of using King. Like there's a wrestler named Becky Lynch who is like mm-hmm. a badass redhead who mm-hmm. became like the biggest wrestler in the world for like the last two years that she was wrestling. She's not there anymore. Cause she got, she's having a baby. Yeah. But she referred to herself as the man <laughs> and her t-shirt was just the man. And it was like the highest selling t-shirt. She became a huge star. Lily, Lily is the King.
1: That's fun. I like that. I like that. Lily play on is the, the king. The name and the gender. Yeah.
2: That's it, what the t shirt we need. We need Lily is the king. Great. Great. We All found right. it. We'll talk at you next week.
1: From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang on all the banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.